0: Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, 21st of September. Brad and Angelina are splitting. Who cares? Why should we be remotely bothered by two people who don't come into your life at all? I can't name any film she's been in. I've got no... I, I think he was in... Was he in Goodwill Hunting? I don't know. I can't remember. I mean, I'm not remotely interested, but I do beg the question, and I do ask the question. I thought in this country, and I know from bitter experience, that a cousin of mine tried to adopt a child years ago, and it was phenomenally difficult. In the case of Brad and Angelina, they just seemed to hand them out like dolly mixtures. Because, to be honest with you, with both their track records of not being in relationships for, you know, huge amounts of time, they should never have been allowed to adopt children. Now there's six of them. It's not one or two. It's six. Oh, it's like waking up and realising that Katie Price is your mother. You'd be going, oh, my God. You know, the woman who can only talk about herself. But, of course, the thing that's really going to wind Peter Andre up is, up until now, Princess. I think her name was Princess Tia I mean, it's it's slightly disturbing, isn't it? But uh, now Princess Tiamie Andre, as opposed to now Princess Tiamie Price, because the the little talented one is going to be launching her own makeup on Instagram. Uh, I predict it will be taken down immediately. She's not old enough to be on Instagram. I don't want some nine-year-old going on there doing makeup hints. It attracts the wrong sort of people. Oops, phone off already. And um, <laughs> my friend Simon, I, I tweeted I tweeted loads of things in the car this morning. And F- Phil Vickery retweeted me. Well, he liked, actually. I'm fed up with a runny nose and sore. I got really cross yesterday. There's nothing worse than having a... It's not a cold. It's just some sort of little malfunction inside, I think. I, I, mean, I, don't, know, I don't know what it is. But it just makes me angry because you end up getting through loads of handkerchiefs. You can't use tissues because tissues make your nose go all crusty and so you can't use tissues. So you end up having to use handkerchiefs. You know, proper handkerchiefs. I've gotten through about 30 handkerchiefs. <laughs> How many have I got? 30 so I've got through all the hankies so there's a washing machine whizzing around at the moment with loads of hankies in it it's such a pain it really is I don't like having a runny nose but yet yesterday we did Darren Brown and he's got exactly the same he's got the same the same cold kind of thing. it's not a cold I don't I'm trying to give it to the producer it's uh you know sorry Dolly never complain I never complain about anything I'm a very good person. I'm, I'm lucky, actually. I can have a cold. I never mention it. I'm not that sort of person. Some people go, oh, of course you get Malcolm and all that kind of... I don't do that. I just fill a programme. I could do ten minutes on having a blasted cold and get away with it, but I don't moan about it. So I was sitting in the car this morning, and I was, I was tweeting about nothing in particular. And I said, of course, you can always tell when I'm bored, because I tweet a lot in the car. It's either that or I go to sleep. And I woke up early... So I decided to have a really long shower this morning, and that was quite nice. I sat there on my little stool and uh, had a little shower, you know. We were sort of, it, was, it was quite nice, actually. I sort of, I was in the shower, like, really early. And I got myself ready, and then I started watching a programme about saving somebody's life in hospital, which I found terribly... This, this was a man who'd been on a bicycle, and he'd been crushed by a bus, which had literally... I mean, he was bleeding internally, but they didn't know where he was bleeding internally. And it was a, it was a matter of life and death to get him into surgery and to, to to make him better again. And I got so depressed by it, I had to turn it off in the end. I thought, I can't watch this. So I never did discover if he actually lived or if he if he died. They, they were talking about how dangerous it was. You know, you go out on a cycle. It doesn't matter whether you're here, you're in the Outer Hebrides. It doesn't matter where you are. It's the fact that if a, if a vehicle comes up against you, it can crush you. In the same way that cows, we've heard of people who walked across fields in the countryside, which I used to do as a kid, Uh, But we were fit, we we could sort of run, and cows and bulls and things like that. If one of those came up against you and sort of leant against you, you could be crushed to death. You've seen the size of cows, they're absolutely enormous. So So going back to the cold, which I'm not mentioning very often, I'm just doing it in sympathy for those people who don't have a voice. Because you probably lost it through the cold, and who are probably sort of fed up with sort of you know I mean to blow your nose every five minutes, and I mean it must be awful. I mean imagine if you're sort of just about to go off on shift, if you're a copper or you're working in a hospital, and you're going oh god I really don't feel like it because you wake up and you feel a bit don't you? You feel a bit deflated. Uh, I never feel deflated. I always bounce out of bed and always sort of I can't wait to come into work. You know, it's great. You can have a nice cup of coffee. I can read the papers. I can watch, you know, videos. I can do all sorts of things and have a nice time. But uh, if you sit at home, you can get yourself into a dreadfully morose situation. So I try not to do it. And then I thought I'll be healthy. I'll really be healthy. So I bought blueberries yesterday. Eat blueberries. Eat blueberries. Donald Trump in America, he's not eating blueberries. But he's furious that that uh, supposed bomber has been given a lawyer and uh, an urgent medical treatment. I said yesterday, let him suffer. Let him suffer. If he's, if he's got internal bleeding and he's, he's... Let him die. I couldn't care less. I'm sick to death of, you know, people who mollycoddle people. Oh, the good news is, do you remember the woman a short while ago, drunk, disgusting piece of filth, urinated on a war memorial? Not once, but twice. Gone to prison. Could not be happier, could not be happier, because you know me and war memorials and things like that. I'm, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, that's very sacred, very, very sacred. Um, 83850, oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, we'll put uh, everything in. Uh, my friend Mandy Davis has written to me. There's an event coming up at the at the Magic Circle, and I think... Um, I can't remember... Oh, that's right, it's the 9th of October... And uh, you can go. But it's, it's all women on the bill. It's all women on the bill. Women magicians. It's a Sunday, 6pm. You get close-up magic and a stage show at 7pm, uh, which finishes by 9. So it's three hours. And it's all lady magicians. You know, Catherine Mills, Laura London, Faye Presto, Romany, Mandy, uh, Mandy Mooden, and I think Mandy Davis as well. Tickets are available at the Magic Circle website. Uh, the event is called W25, W25, and so Mandy's going to send me uh, a press release very shortly, but I thought I'd let you let you know now, because it's one of those, you might want to go to it. So it's a ladies, uh, no, ladies performing, but you don't have to be a lady to go to the show. You can be a man, or an Australian, or something like that, if you wanted to go to the show. You know, go to it, and uh, you'll have a nice time, and you get to see the Magic Circle, because my Christmas show is sold out. So, we have no more seats available. It's amazing, isn't it? We actually sold it out more than, I think, was it two months ago? Three months ago now. Amazing. Uh, One of the things, uh, if I can't, uh, one of the things I do if I can't sleep is check LBC's websites. News reports are normally better than the other sites. It's been changed. They've changed the website, it's been updated. It's got tons more stuff on it. If you've not seen it, go to it. It's lbc.co.uk. They only launched it yesterday, so it might take you a bit of time to find things. But uh, but you, you will. F- oh, look. I get my picture on the top of the website. God, I'm good looking. But, yeah, all right. It doesn't matter whether I'm on air or not. It's the fact that I'm on top of the website and you're not. OK, that's the difference. That's the difference. It's the Steve Allen Show. Not the Steve Allen Show with a lot of hindrance from an Australian with a silly little beard, is it, really? OK, it's just the Steve Allen Show. On air now, Steve Allen. Four till seven. And so you get that... I, wonder, I can't remember what year that was taken. 1860, I think, or something like that. And then it, you can you can sort of contact... Oh, it's an even better picture. Oh, go back to that one. Look at that, honestly. It's, actually, it's missing a bit. Monday to Friday, four till seven. Sunday, five till seven. And uh, And then also it should say Saturday. You're just so... Honestly, you're just so predictable, aren't you? As a producer, there's no humour. There's no... Well, there's loads of things. Steve Allen met Chris Moyles. Steve Allen's moving tribute to his mum's cancer. Steve Allen's... Good God, there's all sorts of... Oh, the Chinese takeaway stories on there. He loves that one. Steve Allen in conversation with Ray Liotta. There's Beverly Knight. There's Piers Morgan. Go down. Who else we got? Oh, then there's Steve Allen wins the prestigious gold award. Jimmy Carr. There's a uh, touching tribute to Paul Daniels. Rob Brydon. God oh, blimey. There's tonnes of stuff on there. Steve Allen again, James Martin, Phil Collins, Amanda Abington. We talk, there's loads, yeah, Phil, what do you mean Phil Collins? I've, when the stars are in town. Eddie Izzard, I liked Eddie Izzard, I really did. Alexander Armstrong, I love. Who's that other one? Go down, go down. Oh, it's John, John Krasinski as well. Richard Hammond, Hugh Bonneville. blind blimey, David Tennant. I've forgotten how many nice people we've spoken to. Seriously. And coming up, as you know, next week, I've got Justin Timberlake... Coming in on the, they're all a bit jealous about that. Somebody say, "Oh, I'm going to come in." I oh, know you're not. Absolutely not. You're coming. You're coming nowhere near the studio. It's a closed lockdown studio. I do not entertain people just coming to gorp at celebrities. It's you would be gorping. It would. You're not coming in anyway. Whatever happens. Okay, simple as that. And start that with me, matey. You ah, you haven't got access to that studio. I've just realised your pass won't open that door. Yeah, it won't open it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't open it. I know it doesn't open it. Really? Recently? I'm gonna have that checked actually because as only certain people are allowed to have why would you be allowed to have access? You shouldn't you shouldn't be having access. It's not for you. It's for people in the business. Okay, it's producer <laughs> Okay, produce something. Go on, there you go. I dare you. Produce something. Apart from the LBC website. I like quite like that actually. I like that idea. It's uh, it's it's got all sorts of things on there. Well, me, mainly, and everybody else. Oh, there's also uh, little bits with uh, James O'Brien's Magical Hour. That's very good. And uh, and then, presumably, somewhere on there... Oh, this makes Some Noise. Oh, lovely. Go, go and check it out, ladies and gentlemen. So, um... I was I going to tell you this morning? Something I was going to tell you yesterday. Oh, I had such a day yesterday. I'd, because I've got this cold, which I'm not talking about... Um, because it just sounds a bit dreary, the presenter keeps going on about oh, we've got a cold and everything else, but um my friend simon Beale uh he also liked my uh, my tweet this morning i couldn't think of anything to write actually I really couldn't i, re- I really couldn't think of anything <laughs> and um one here says, uh, "Get a flu shot can't have it i can't have the uh, the flu jab until the flu's gone you've got to wait till the, till the blasted stuff have gone." Uh, Dave thinks I should get Katie Price and Gemma Collins on the show. Yeah, I'll be pushing up daisies whenever that happens, I think. It's definitely not going to be happening. And um, uh, Louise sent me a picture of her mum. She was the lady with the hospital band. She turned, she came to our show at the Shaw Theatre with a hospital band. I said, where'd you get that from? She went, I've discharged myself from hospital to come to your show. I couldn't believe it, actually. Uh, Phil Vickery liked, uh, because I sort of uh, was complaining about my... Blooming cough and cold—it's so annoying. It really is. I, I try not to let it uh, try not to let it bother me on the programme because you tend to find. What, yesterday, because I, I had two interviews, Jane Seymour. Then we did uh, Darren Brown. Today, I've only got one interview, and I've got no interviews Thursday or Friday, and that's the way it's remaining because I've, I've typed up there. I need a rest. I need to sort of go back and recharge the batteries because. Um, what did I do yesterday? When I actually got home, I don't think I did anything. I went to get some stuff from uh, from the supermarket. And then went back in and I thought, you know, I'm doing nothing today. I've decided. So I've only got Monty Don to do. I, ironically, he's written a book about, um, about his dog. That'll be the second dog book I've done. First of all, I did with Bell Mooney, Losing a Pet. And I've said that when we transmit that, if you're an animal lover, you're going to, you're going to love the interview. You're going to love. I mean, if, if you're not an animal lover, you're going to love the interview. So uh, that's very good indeed. Uh, big thank you, says Anne, for putting a smile on my face at 6am. That's Crete time. I don't think I've ever been to Crete. Why do I think of Crete? Beaches? Beaches? Rocky? I don't know. I mean, I can't think of anywhere. Somebody said to me, where have you been in your life? I said, oh, God, we've been everywhere. We've lived everywhere. We've lived Germany, Hong Kong, Egypt, Yorkshire. um, Where else? Brentwood. So I know Brentwood. So if anybody ever says about Brentwood, I I know all about it. Because I still go there, actually. I still go to uh, to Brentwood. Um, Hope the cold is getting better. Says Jane, uh, who could be Anne. It's either Jane or it's Anne, which is bizarre. Perhaps it's a middle name, I don't know. But the good news is, uh, Jerry in Selsey says, An hour to save your life. He survived, although he lost his spleen. What's that mean? <laughs> I'm not medically qualified to understand about that. But uh, I, I, I like the idea that he survived. I was so worried. But you sort of get to the end of one of these programmes and they go, sadly, so-and-so didn't make it. Because I think the staff of the NHS are dealing with that on a daily basis. They're literally dealing with, uh, you know, people dying in front of them. And they have to be a bit, not hardened to it, but they can't get emotionally involved. So when I, uh, I've told you the story of my dad dying because I had a car full of people. We had a big LBC party. Uh, for 600 in the Strand Palace Hotel, when we were doing the overnight programme, we used to have these parties every so often, and the last one was 600 people. And so I've got four people in my little mini, and, uh, and we're pootling home, and I said, I tell you what, let's just nip in, so people can use the toilet, and then I run people back to where they were going to. So that was fine, so we get to my, my place, we all sort of rush in to use the loo, and I had an answer phone, remember the days of an answer phone? Actually, a physical box with a flashing light and twin tapes in it. I mean, nowadays, it's all built in as chips on the phone and everything else. And it was a message from the hospital. Oh, hello, Stephen. This is St Stephen's Hospital. Uh, can you give us a ring? And so I thought, oh. Anyway, so I phoned the hospital. And, and they're quite matter-of-fact about it. She said, oh, hello, Stephen. Uh, she said, uh, just to let you know, your father's just died. So, of course, it's like, it's that bolt out of the blue, isn't it? It's that like, what? What? Didn't even know he was ill. And so I said, right, where are you? I'm not thinking. I'm, I've kind of, I've got these people in, in my flat and I'm not kind of thinking straight. And so I said, we've all got to go back into town. My dad's died. And so we all pile back in the car and I'm like jumping red lights. I'm seriously jumping red lights because I couldn't work out where I was going. As it turns out, St. Stephen's is in Chelsea. And so, and I said to them, all, they all came into the hospital and I said, you're going to have to make your own way home from here. So that they all pootled off. And I then went and see, uh, saw my mum, and uh, she was in a terrible state. And and, you do, and then the nurse comes in and says, would you like a cup of tea and everything? And I said, uh, I can't remember if I said yes or no. I don't think I was thinking about anything at all. And it all just becomes this, this blur, because the staff are dealing. We're trying to save people's lives. When, once somebody's died, there's not a lot they can do. They just have to move them to the mortuary. Mum... Didn't want to go and see Dad, so I went to see him. You know, you do that. You just do that to make sure that somebody's OK. I don't know why. You just do it. And uh, and, and you feel sorry for them. So when you watch these television programmes, they're dealing with life and death, bringing children into the world and saying farewell to some people. And it's just, it's got to go on. You can't just sort of stop there and everybody breaks down. It, it, it must be a really difficult situation to be in. So I always thought that they handle it really, really well. I'm, of course, rubbish at doing it. But I am, I am quite expert at sort of dealing with grief, I think. I think I've sort of dealt with it quite well over the years. Unlike Prince Harry... God, there's a Lincoln. It's unbelievable. Prince Harry, who said that he had a colour sergeant in the army who was with him, who sort of talked him through his mother's death, because when Diana died, he was only 12. You know, when my dad died and my mum died, I was sort of considerably older, so I didn't need somebody to talk me through it. It was quite nice that there was a friend of mine at work, Derek, and his... Uh, One of his parents had died, so we sort of swapped funeral stories, which you do. Don't ask me why we do it, we just do it. And uh, and we get through. We get through, don't we? Because, you know, you live to fight another day. And Harry sort of emerged the other side. It's funny that he's talking about it now at the age of 32, as opposed to all these other years. But he mentioned the colour sergeant, and you know what the first thing I thought was? Why didn't he talk to his dad? But, of course, his dad didn't like his mum. He had the children, but, of course, he was off with, with Camilla. So, you know, you'd never be asking Prince Charles for any sort of guidance on how to get over the death of your mother.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Max says, you owe James O'Brien an apology. He does not have a magical hour, as you said. It's a mystery hour. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I hate it when people try and correct me. He has a magical hour. I know that because I was talking to him yesterday about his magical hour. And he was talking about it as well. Uh, It must be a pain, says Dean. With a cold, actually, it's not really, uh, not really a, a pain at all. Actually, <laughs> and it's just it's just, it's not. No, it's not actually. I don't have a sore throat. I've just got sort of a, a, a sort of nose that uh, that uh, every so often needs blowing, which is a bit of a pain, isn't it? Somebody says do you bin your handkerchiefs like you do socks. I wish, I wish. Uh, Anna reckons there's no proper vetting in adoption or fostering, for that matter. I don't know why we're bothering about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Who gives a toss? I couldn't care less if they divorce. It's not my business. It's their marriage. But we we sort of it's it's a, an easy one because the papers have got nothing else to write about. And in in some of the papers, it's taken up four and five pages. Makes you wonder what they would have put in there had they not had that brilliant news that came through. It's just an American couple who've both been married before and who are getting divorced again. <laughs> Uh, Dean says uh, my dad died when I was 18, but lately I've been talking about the good times in his life. He was a good dad. Yeah, you always you always talk nicely about your parents, don't you? I think so. I have heard people who who didn't get on with their parents at all, really didn't. And my dad was only young. He was only he was only fifty two, I think, fifty two. So it was it was comparatively young compared to what people achieve uh, nowadays. Uh, 84850... StephenLBC.co.uk. Uh, so I mean, it's it's Brad and Angelina at the front of every paper. Who cares? She always looks a bit as if she's got a little funny smell underneath her nose. And um, he apparently smoked dope and boozed daily. I mean, you're going to read all of the claptrap now. He cheated with uh, with hookers. Flew into a rage around the kids. That this is why she allegedly dumped him. It just goes on and on and on. Does it? Does anybody really care? I can't do this anymore. She goes and um, they're claiming that he had an affair with uh, with one of his co-stars in the World War II drama Allied in London early this year. Um, I mean, just who cares? They're worth £300 million, so presumably they'll sort of split. She'll keep the kids and she will get the majority of the money, I'm assuming, but I don't know, and to be honest with you, I really couldn't care less. It doesn't, doesn't affect my life in any way, shape or form. Uh, the other story, and I don't understand this one. You might you might be better informed on this. But there is a, a footballer called Gareth Bale. OK? That much I'm aware of. But his bride-to-be uh, was shattered by a second arson attack on her terrified family yesterday. Um, her aunt's motors were torched. I mean, actually, torched is like a scene out of a movie. Two cars at her aunt's house in Wales, four days after one belonging to her grandparents was set on fire. petrol was poured in the letterbox of another aunt yesterday in a suspected gangland vendetta over a missing suitcase of cash. A gangland vendetta? Where are we coming... Are they they saying that her family are involved in gangland stuff? Last night, it led to fears that Emma Reese jones and uh, her footy fiancé, who plays for Real Madrid, could be targeted next. Uh, Emma's been worried... The security around her and Gareth has been reviewed, but it's of little comfort. Her father, Martin Reese Jones, was jailed for six years in America for money laundering. Oh right, they're one of those families. Oh dear, Emma's aunt escaped uh, injury as the cars were torched at a home in Flint. Two suspects caught on CCTV. Petrol was then poured through the uh, the letterbox. I mean, apparently her her mum, uh, Je- uh, Emma's mum. Says I haven't seen her in five weeks. I hope she's okay. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's it's odd here. Grandparents Eva and John are in hiding, after their car was torched and bricks thrown through their window on Friday. What sort of families are these? I think we know what sort of families they are, don't we? I just can't believe it in this day and age. Can't believe it. I remember in the uh, in the uh, the TV series Queer as Folk, in one, point, uh, one part of it, there uh, one of the cars was actually torched. And it sort of, you know, went up in, you know, huge flames and everything else. But I didn't think in this day and age people actually did it for real. But apparently they do. Apparently they do. Uh, Jim Carrey in all the papers today, you know about that story. That's somebody accusing him of, uh, of getting drugs and all the rest of it. Lovely picture of Kate Winslet uh, meeting Justin Timberlake. He's playing a lifeguard. So we'll have uh, lots to talk to him about. Readers who lost their jobs say think before ink. They've got a picture of David Beckham. This must be a very early picture. Dave trying to look mean and moody. But then, you know, with the funny voice, it doesn't kind of work, does it? And he's got loads of tattoos, so I know this is an old picture. And, um, and uh, the moment I told them of my arm art, Emile Parr says the boss hung up on her. And she's now a customer services manager. She's got more than 70% of her body inked. It's a shame, really, isn't it? Because she's just going to look like some old haggard old bag in years to come. And, um, you know, lots of... Somebody says, my dragon inking was called offensive. Well, if you're dealing with the public, they don't want to see that. I couldn't care less if you want to have tattoos. It doesn't bother me. I'm just worried about the fact that there are certain companies out there who, uh, who wouldn't want it. Mind you, mind you, yesterday I go to Marks and Spencer's and the bloke behind the till calls me mate. Mate, all right, Mate. He said, I wondered whether I'd wandered into the wrong, the wrong place. Marks and Spencers, somebody on the till calling you mate. And then it got worse. Do you need a receipt, mate? What? Do I need a... To... Mate? So I complained. I'm not sure I've just popped a... Just popped a blueberry in my mouth. I've completely forgot I was doing the programme. <laughs> I completely forgot I was on air. I just thought I was talking to myself and rambling. You know what you do when you're on the radio? You just... You ramble. Quite a lot. But, I mean, imagine being called mate. Ridiculous.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Only every Wednesday, 21st of September. Two more days weekend. Yippee! Fantastic. Killer hornet Asian... Killer giant Asian hornets invade UK. they found giant hornets, and they reckon that just a handful of these can destroy a hive in a matter of hours. So what they're doing... They're trying to. What What these Asian hornets do is they bite the heads off bees. And uh, they can wipe out, you know, loads in a short space of time. Uh, they think they, they actually found one on Saturday in Tetbury, near to where the Prince of Wales makes £5.50 jars of Dutchy honey from his high grow farm. Agents for the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs have set up a three mile cordon uh, because they, they actually need to destroy them. I don't know where they've come from. Asia, I suppose. It's a long way to fly, isn't it? Perhaps they sort of piggybacked on something else. I mean, the, the bee population, I think is actually vital to our ecosystem. A third of our food is dependent on pollination by bees. Somebody from Highgrove said the estate will be subject to the same inspections as anywhere else because once they found out where their nest is, then they will destroy it. And because uh, I mean Bill Turnbull was in only a short while ago and he's into beekeeping as you know and Martha Carney uh, who used to be at LBC many, many years ago. She's into beekeeping. Loads of people into this into this beekeeping malarkey. I quite like it, but I'm a bit scared about bees. Although I shouldn't be, because every time we've had bees around all the hanging baskets and stuff like that, they're actually very... Ge- whereas wasps are aggressive. Wasps start off being aggressive. They sort of... Bzz- bzz- bzz. We were having sort of food a short while ago, and there was one that buzzed around the table. and You, could- you don't want to brush it away and hit it because it then becomes angry and comes back and goes for you. So, you know, whereas bees just sort of wander off. They're very calming, very calming influence, I think, bees. So I'm, I'm, I'm all right with bees. I'm just not very good. Uh, somebody said, it's mystery hour. On this occasion, you're wrong. There's nothing magical about James O'Brien. No, it's James O'Brien's magical hour. I know it is. I was talking to him about it the other day. Um, somebody else said a mixed bag. That's what Donald Trump's son meant. Oh, it's Skittles. God, it's a bit vague, isn't it? Really, uh, that's uh, from from Eamon. Eve says, "A brilliant show. I'm with you." Who gives a forex about Angelina and Brad Pitt? Pathetic. Yeah, I couldn't care less. It's you know, it's up to them to sort out all their uh, all their woes. And you know, if he's been cheating or he does, d- that's their business. It's got nothing to do with me. Why do they think we're interested? I'm really not. Really not. And uh, Bob's in Bracknell. so us hope we feel better soon. I feel fine. I just—it's just slightly annoying, slightly annoying. And uh, somebody else says no. No, it's—it's it, it's definitely James O'Brien's Magical Hour. I know it is because I've listened to it before. Yeah, I don't know where people are getting this other thing from. It's all very bizarre, isn't it? But uh, anyway, uh, also two Oxford professors are being probed. Nothing new there. Uh, oh, this is over a, a research grant. That they bagged from Bill Gates. £23 million. (gasps) I never know what they do with all this money, all these people. It's all slightly, slightly worrying. And uh, Tony Blair, we'll come around to him later on. He's shut down his cash cow business. This is Tony Blair Associates. Um, And he's gifted the money to one of his other companies. That'll be lucky, won't it? Because he knows how to hang on to it, does old Blair. And somebody somebody was saying, they were having a guess actually, do you think Tony Blair's going to make a comeback? I thought, as what? What on earth could he make a comeback, As uh, An academic has made a plea to protect the wildlife out there, which is at risk. He says, save our birds, keep cats inside or on a leash. Well, how many birds are actually grabbed by cats? They don't actually do anything with them, do they? My friend Louise, she she's shot cats. They used to get squirrels and they bite their heads off. Mm, I know. I thought it sounded awful as well. I was never a big, never a big fan of that kind of thing. She found one under the bed one time. And, oh, no, please. Please, I couldn't bear anything like that. It's awful. Uh, so, Tony Blair, uh, the Web of Firms that kept his huge deals with Despot Secret. Yes, I mean, I don't know why, just untrustworthy. Something about him, isn't it? A little bit creepy, not right. The carnage. They've they've done um, a picture in the paper. Uh, some old bag called Christy George. She was using her mobile phone on the M1 near Leicester. Somebody died in this crash. Uh, she's a vile piece of work. The good news is she's gone to prison for five years. Five years. And so what they've done is eight vehicles were involved in this pile-up because she was texting on her phone. So luckily she can rot in hell, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, only five years. Should have been ten- Somebody died. Somebody died as a result of her actions. And that, as far as I'm concerned, means that you stay... It's, it's manslaughter. You know, by your very actions, somebody has died. And I don't... Quite understand why it's only five years. Uh, Sarah Vine writes in her column today, and she's she's so right. Why are we all so desperate to take offence? It started the other day when there was a some, when there was the Paul Gascoigne case in court because he'd said to his black security man, "Smile so we can see where you are in the dark." That goes to court at what cost? I can't imagine. And then the security man and everybody's recommending all the. Uh, All the columnists today recommend he maybe finds another job, something, because he's obviously a little bit fragile and he's obviously a little bit weak to actually put up with uh, with all sorts of things like, you know, somebody being rude to you. You know, it's like every time I say something to the producer, if you then burst into tears, you think you're not cut out for this job. You're really not cut out for this job. No, he's really not cut out for this job. And you, sort of, you say something to him. And so this is a security guard. And he went home and he started questioning everything in his life. I thought, oh no, you're really not fit for purpose. And uh, Gascoigne got fined. Ironically, one of the papers pointed out that Frank Sinatra used to do exactly the same when he was on stage with, um, with Sammy Davis Jr. He'd say exactly the same. Smile, Sammy, so they can see where you are. I don't remember anybody saying anything those, you know, and then. And now we have somebody here, Gemma Arterton, you know, and she was on with Lorraine Kelly. Lorraine asked a perfectly normal question, um, but she's been accused of body-shaming Gemma Arterton, whereas, in fact, it's, it's a subject of... It, it's on the internet, it's all over the internet, Gemma Arterton talking about her weight. So thousands of people took to Twitter, as the tiresome cliché goes, to complain about the alleged insult. Uh, very quickly, the perceived... Slight had become a case of Kelly actually calling Arterton fat. And from there on, the outrage spread, which, of course, was a blatant lie. But it's very easy for people to get carried away on the internet. You know, before you know where you are, you've got Chinese whispers. So you say to somebody, you know, are you worried about your weight? Which translates as, you're fat, aren't you? And you think, oh, grow up and get over yourself. All these people, oh, I'm so upset, I was really upset. Somebody called me fat. Ah, well, stop eating then. Might help, mightn't it? You know, oh, I'm losing my hair. Yeah, you're really losing your hair. Fact, you're losing your hair. Fact, Gemma Collins, is fat. Fact, you know, you can't get away from it. It's fat. What's it due to? Gluttony. Simple as that. You know, that's why all these people, you know, bring out all their fitness DVDs. They'll all be bringing them out come Christmas time again. And um, somebody says, if you check out the website, you'll see it's the mystery hour. These people are so stupid. You know, it's so stupid. It's the magical hour. I don't know where you're getting this from. It's ridiculous. Uh, 84850, stephenlbc.co.uk. And uh, did you hear you say O'Brien has a magical hour on his show? No. I didn't say that at all. He has a mystery hour on his show. He has a magical hour in the office. I didn't say it was on his radio show. When people listen... You see, that's the trouble. You know, once you get dimbos who can't hear properly, and I say he's actually got a magical hour, and people write to go, no, it's a mystery hour. That's on his radio programme. I can't be dealing with you if you're that stupid. Seriously, if you're not fit for purpose, I have to just lose you completely. You know, because it's just... I mean, you're just quite clearly as thick as a plank. It's a magical hour. I told you, we discuss it in the office. His magical hour. Oh, goodness me. Uh, another one here says, I bought a paper on uh, Sunday and uh, mate. Yeah, you see, I think mate is, isn't it the most patronising thing? You say, all right, mate, all right, mate. You know, don't people have names anymore? I'm not expecting somebody into Marks and Spencer's on the till, who's about 17, to actually know my name. I wouldn't expect that at all, but I want to be called mate. I think that's, uh, that's a little bit, that's going a bit too far. I think a police officer said that. In fact, that's where I got it from, a police officer. was on one of these things on the television. And somebody said, all right, mate, he said, I'm not your mate. And I said, because one of the girls in there said, oh, Steve, how are you, and all the rest of it. Well, she calls me Mr. Allen. And I said, fine. I said, apparently, I'm his mate. I said, which I'm not. I don't like being called mate. I just think it's rude. Ridiculous. 84850, steve at uk. And uh, I think, actually, it's sir. I think, sir. I'm just a customer. You don't have to call anybody anything. It's ridiculous. Uh, You know, you don't have to... uh, You know, you don't have to be called mate. Can you imagine? I've never heard... Terry says, you know, I don't think I'll listen to you again. Well, you're too stupid. I don't want stupid people like you. In fact, actually, now you can't even write back after that. You can't even come back to me and write something because I've just blocked you. Bye! I don't think I'll listen to you yet. Now, as the producer said, no friends. Oh, pop it. Never mind. Doesn't matter. We'll all have a good laugh at your expense. You know, it's just ridiculous. I don't think I'll listen to you again. Well, don't worry. Listen, I've got so many hundreds of thousands of people. Losing one idiot doesn't make any difference to me at all. And uh, 84850, Mark says, Don't get discombobulated about being addressed as mate by a complete stranger. You just have to understand our own stereotypes, and if they're finding their way into M&S, that can't be too... No, I don't want it. I'm writing an official letter of complaint to the management at M&S. I do not want to be called mate. Thank you very much indeed. I mean, I could understand it if I was in Lidl or Aldi or something like that, where that's the sort of people. But I don't want it in and Spencer. I wouldn't expect it in Waitrose. Why would I expect it in Miles and Spencer's? Definitely not... Definitely not eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc dot uk. If you write to me, courtesy of the website, it does give me all your details straight away. You have, pardon me, no anonymity. Uh, but that's it. You know, if you've got a question for Steve Anna, it's just another way through, isn't it? But you can do it to Steve at lbc dot co dot uk. Gets through exactly the same way. But if you do it via the website, I've got your. I've got one here, for example, and uh, I've got uh, the user's IP. The browser details, everything. I can tell exactly what, what computer you're writing on. And under what... Uh, it's amazing, isn't it, really? So much easier to just pass them on to the police. I can tell that this is number 87429123. I can tell exactly. So, I've you know, I've got all the users' IP addresses. It's like somebody sending in a, a text. You know, the phone number comes up. I've got people's complete phone numbers. It's amazing. I've even got the producer's phone as well. With how many times he's tried to call me. You know, it's sort of one of those things. Shall we FaceTime? It's on a Saturday. Seriously. Because, you know, we're going out. Somebody said to me yesterday at Waterloo Station, Lenny said to me, said, You're going out on Saturday night for that steak. This is what the the boys at Waterloo Station are talking about. Are you going out, Steve, Friday night or Saturday, to that steak place which is called the Flatiron? Flatiron. And I said, Well, only if he's paying. I said, "I'm, I'm not going otherwise. They were all terribly excited by the fact that I was going out for steak in London with the producer. What we'll talk about, God alone knows. I'll have to sort of drink a bottle of Prosecco to try and come up with some ideas. But I, th- I think Saturday night should be good. We'll have a bit of a bit of a drink, a bit of a party, boogie on down. And take some FaceTime pic We'll do some selfies. Like, eh, woo, that kind of stuff. I did selfies outside here yesterday. when I walked out the building. I was talking to my producer, Mark. And, and then I, I walked around the corner and somebody. oh, by the way, Steve, excuse me. And it was a very nice Scottish gentleman. And a very pretty girl. And I had pictures taken with them. And they, they they were waiting. I think they were waiting for the film premiere. I think I was kind of like an added bonus. How cool is that, eh? Woo! Saturday night, here we come. Steak and fries. Yeah. With a side of slaw.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: <laughs> oh, we've had such fun at your expense this morning. So now Paul has sent me a thing saying, no, it's James O'Brien's The Mystery Hour. You're not You're not getting it, are you really at all? It's quite funny. In the office, he has his magical hour. I didn't say he had, a, he had a, a mystery, he had a magical hour on the radio. If you find me saying that, for goodness sake, tell me and I'll give you a thousand quid. Because I just said he has a magical hour. And everybody's going, no, 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 he has a mystery hour. I'm not interested in the one on the radio. The one we have in the office is the magical hour. And we were discussing it yesterday. And so people keep writing in. It's very worrying. Very worrying. 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Uh, Theresa says, uh, I went to Holland and Barrett the assistant called me Darling. Good Lord. Anyway, I wrote to the company, gave the assistant's name, received a letter back saying it isn't acceptable, it would be part of the training and mentioned in stores that addressing people as Darling isn't acceptable. Went to the same shop at the weekend, was now called Sweetheart. I call people Poppet, but I certainly wouldn't call people Poppet if I was sort of, you know... You don't call me... Just go, hello. You don't... They don't have to have a title to somebody... Like poor old Terry, who's now got no friends, you know, and now can't write back to complain or anything like that, which is fantastic. You know, he he think, what are people supposed to call you? Not mate. Not mate. There are certain standards. And once they've slipped, which obviously they have in your case, Terry, um, then you can't get them back again. So I think, although I just discovered something else, actually. Um, if, if you just send me in a normal... Um, steve at lbc.co.uk that's fine if you do it via the, uh, the website uh, then I've got all this information about you which I find fascinating I am absolutely. I mean we are surrounded by information aren't we it's like you know having your so in other words I remember somebody saying to me years ago when we used to pick up the phones at LBC and go hello Marion and somebody go how do you know it's me you go, because your name comes up because if you've called LBC or you call any organisation now the number is logged on a system The number is logged on a system. So people can say, right, you actually said that you called in on what day? And you go Wednesday about half past 10. They go back to Wednesday, half past 10. No, you didn't. You can see straight away who's actually called in at, at that time. So it's easier to find out if people are telling the truth about something. And so you've got somebody's phone number if something happens, just supposing you get sort of cut off. So every time you call LBC, that's how people know who you are. It will have, you know, your your name that will come up. It'll be put up on the uh, on the the phone box system which we have here. So I can see people ringing in, and I can see I can see names. I mean, I can if I go to another screen, but you know me, I've got no idea about computers. You're asking the completely the wrong person. When somebody says, "Can you do this?" I mean, I cannot cut and paste. I know it seems really ridiculous, but I cannot cut and paste. Mind you, I laughed the other day like a drain. I was watching, what channel was it? I don't know. It could have been something called Hochanda or something like that. Whatever it was, they were flogging you a sewing machine with the campest fat bloke I've ever seen in my entire life. In fact, the two of them, it was like hinge and bracket. It was really embarrassing, really embarrassing. Have you ever seen a bloke on a sewing machine? On the television, I mean he couldn't have been camping. he was he was writing with the with this uh, this brother machine, which I thought was quite clever, was never in, I, I did think at one point I thought it must be quite a nice idea to actually be able to sew you know, but we used to use if we wanted to hem our jeans, we used wonderweb. you remember Wonderweb? that was always a, that was a brilliant thing. I love that, and somebody said, but it doesn't actually uh last very long, I said, I couldn't care less <laughs> it doesn't make any difference to to me uh I was called Fella. In the phone shop at the weekend, says Jamie the plumber. Jamie the plumber. <laughs> fella. All right, fella? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, I'm not sure if that's worse than mate. Anna says mate is slang for friend. I don't want to be their friend. I don't want any new friends, thank you. I've got enough friends. I recently told somebody not to call me mate. It's chav. Yes, I agree with you. It's very chav. All right, mate. You don't. I don't want that. You know, I mean, at, at most, I want in any supermarket, hello. I don't want anything else. I don't I don't need anything else. I'm not craving attention at the till. <laughs> uh, 84850, Samuel is in Bermondsey. poor soul, somebody's got to be, haven't they? And he says just to let you know I will be listening again. Yeah, well of course you will. Starved of good radio in Bermondsey, aren't you? I don't think I've ever been to Bermondsey. Tommy Steele was born in Bermondsey. Once upon a time there was a little white ball. Little white Do you know Tommy Steele's songs? That was from Tommy the Toreador. He was sort of like, he was Britain's answer to Elvis Presley. He's still going. He's still going. Tommy Steele was all teeth. He used to have a lovely house down in Petersham, worth about 10 million. It was lovely. Really, you know, you ask anybody, you know, British stars were still going, Tommy Steele would be right up there with them. Uh, good news is, Cliff Richard has, uh, I think, ooh, hope it's right, he's filmed his uh, calendar. You know that. Uh, His uh, calendars sell particularly well. And I'm hoping that this one outsells all the others. Because Cliff is, let's just say, over 70. Over 70. Quite charming. Uh, Spencer is in a place called Rustington. He says, any Louis Spence gossip? He seems to have dropped off the radar. Uh, That can only be a good thing, actually. We see drop off South End Pier. Do us all a favour. Mick says, uh, mate. Just another example of dysfunctional generations. Yes, and uh, another one here, uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, another one here, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I love it when, when I, I can sort of knock people off the edge of something. It always, it always makes us all quite happy, actually. The producers sort of go, go on that one, go on that one, do it to that one. And uh, you end up doing it and then you sort of smile, actually. I saw an advert yesterday. Uh For the global presenters doing this new Heinz Bean song. There was a glimpse of me. There was. There was a glimpse of me. You're quite right. I think it's on the LBC website. It's under the Make Some Noise. There is a a video of uh, all the people I work with in this building. Not all the people, but quite a lot of people (laughs) in this building. And uh, I'm on it with Ian Dale. I can't remember who else is on it. My friend JK and Lucy and Tony Dibbon is on it. And Dave Berry is on it, and I think George and Lila. There's loads of people. I think Chris Moyles is on there. I th- no, Chris Moyles isn't on there. Uh, Vernon Kay's on there. Johnny Vaughan's on. Loads of people. We're in a building surrounded by talent. It, it's unbelievable. It is, in fact, as Chris Moyles said the other day when we were in a cinema, he said there is the cream of British radio in this cinema, which I thought was quite funny, actually, because he was quite right. It was the cream of, uh, of uh, British radio. Do you know I have two phones, says Anna? Yes. Uh, I also know... People's postcodes now. I know people's postcodes. I tell you, the information is absolutely stunning. I love it. And uh, another one here. I totally hate being called mate, says Phil by shop staff. The worst one for me is when having had our food delivered in a restaurant and the waiter or waitress pops along to say, is everything all right with you guys? Yeah, you see, that I can accept. In a, you know, If it was something like a TGI, TGI Friday or something like that, or, are you guys all right? That, that I would find okay. I don't think it should be sir or madam, not not in a, not in one of those... It depends on what sort of place you were in. If I was in the Ivy, I would expect somebody to say sir or madam, and I would, I would get that. You wouldn't get anybody in the Ivy calling you mate. You wouldn't get anybody in Joe Allen's calling you mate. It just wouldn't happen. But if you went to a, a rib place, OK, you guys all right? That that I would find acceptable. You know, in the right place. As I say, mate pro- might be fine for Morrison's or Lidl, not Marks and Spencer's. Or Waitrose. Absolutely not. Even in Sainsbury's, I wouldn't expect somebody to call me mate. I just think it's uh, it's unacceptable. You're assuming an awful lot. Assuming an awful lot. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Bruv, said Mick, is another one that I really hate. Uh, Jerry in Horsham says mate's a bit gruff. How about Toots? <laughs> toots. My favourite. Treacle. I used to have a driver. And he had lots of girlfriends. I only tell this now because he's not identifiable on the programme. But uh, he used to have all these girlfriends. And the phone would ring and he didn't know who they were. And he'd go, hello, Treacle. And I used to think it sounded so funny. I said, why do you call them Treacle? He said, because I can't remember their names. He said, just call them Treacle. I thought I might call the producer Treacle. You know, like that. Do you have a nickname? Does anybody, I mean, you know, apart from, sorry, you're going to HR? You're drafting one, really? Good Lord! You have to learn to spell. It'll be a the letter H, okay? Then the letter R, because I've yet to go through the uh, the thing for today to see the uh, the spelling. I love the spelling. It's uh, we ha- we used to have a secretary, not here, but in another place I worked at years ago, and she couldn't spell, and so we used to criticise her. And she said, "But that's the way I spell it," and that was her answer. It, it, I go. What do you mean? I go. I don't go really quickly. You're supposed to be a speed typist. That's what they told me you were when you came from the typing pool. They said, he's, he's one of our fastest speed typers, is our Doris. And so he sort of types things up. And so this morning, I did it deliberately slowly for him. You know, tests are killing pupils' love. Oh, then he gets confused by it. So he goes, yeah, ready. And, of course, I, I'm not ready. Uh, and I'm seeing, uh, wait a minute, terracotta spelt. Gareth Bailey's all right. Jane Moore, carnage, car insurance. Cara Delavine. He learned... To, I wasn't sure if he could if he could spell Delavine. And you did. You did. There you go. I might buy you a dessert on Saturday when we're in the iron. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited by this. I might go and buy a new outfit. Because actually by that time we'll have been paid. We get paid on Friday, don't we? Yeah. That's good news, isn't it? You see, there's all sorts of good news. Who cares about having a cold and Brad and Angelina? I don't care. This we get paid on Friday. That's That's worth a million. Well, one and a half million. Uh, somebody uh, called Mick on the M23 says, I got called sausage the other day. <laughs> of course you did, Petal. Uh, coming up very shortly, the news at five o'clock. I'm Steve Allen. It's early breakfast with you till seven.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, every Wednesday, the 21st of September. Do you know, I just remembered Dally LaRue used to come on stage and go, Watch her, mates. He used to do that, but that was part of the, the act, because he looked so feminine, he was just reminding you that underneath all the femininity was a bloke, and a rough bloke, or watcher mates, that kind of thing. Because I was discussing the fact that in Marston Spencer I was called mate the other day, and uh, I just don't think you should call people that. You know, treacle or something, but I don't think you should call people anything, really. Uh, Sir so Cliff's new hit is a calendar. There's a rumour One Direction could be getting back together. Please, God, it's a rumour. Uh, Will, my dark, sad moments, and feeding babies peanut butter and eggs may stop allergies? Oh, and car insurance, it's up again. All of that and all your texts and emails on the programme this morning. Because I'm feeling in a good mood, I'm feeling fairly, fairly benevolent, very, very kindly disposed to certain people. Not everybody, you know, just... I like to be in a good mood in the morning. Because there's nothing worse. You turn on the radio and somebody's in a bad mood. And it kind of sort of, it sort of rubs off on you. And it gives you a sort of bad start to the day. But if you start the day with a smile, and if you want to start the day with a smile, sleep with a coat hanger in your mouth. And, and that will sort of... Then that sort of... You know, kind of like that. And it'll... You know, because if you smile at somebody, they'll either call the police... Uh, or they'll have you arrested, because nobody smiles at anybody anymore, because they always think you're slightly mad. So if you're going up the escalator, I like to do this on a daily basis, at Waterloo Station, I go up the escalator, people coming down the other side, and you, and you look at somebody and you go, and you just smile. And you can see them, and then <laughs> as they've gone past you, they turn around and look back as if to say, what are you doing? I think that's nice. Do you think that's nice? I've been known to tap people on the shoulder and just go, oh, I'm so sorry, it's not you. I do that a lot, actually, that's quite a good one. Or failing that, I have been known to tap people on the shoulder and go, maybe maybe the salad bar next time. OK, you know, I think that's a nice, it's a caring sort of thing to do, isn't it? But anyway, it's nice to have your company. I like the idea of being called sausage. Anybody sort of less sausage, I would think, <laughs> would be Mick on the M23. Uh, busy, says uh, says Jack, spiking in Catford. He said, getting ready for a day shift and you brighten my day by just mentioning... Hinge and bracket. Oh, it's worth it. Listen, I, you know, I've suddenly realised, and you'll realise if you're, if you're over the age uh, of consent, that, that you know, life is a wee bit too short. And it really is. You know, you read every day. I was watching this one hour in A&E, or whatever it's called. There was a, a black woman who was brought in. She'd been stabbed in the neck. And I looked and I thought... This has just gone out of hand. It never was this bad, was it, years ago? I don't remember it being this bad at all. And uh, I think she she made it through as well. But, God, it was a bit touch and go. But I've I've decided now, now I've reached the rich old age of 39 plus vat, I've decided that life is a wee bit too short. So it's that old adage, which is live every day as if it was your last. So I'm going to have a kebab in about 20 minutes' time. <laughs> I had sausages in the office yesterday. I fr- Again, yeah, I had frankfurters. I'd cut them up and I'd put them in the microwave. Then I'd make a noise. And, um, because i discovered I'd left three in the fridge. They were wrapped and sealed and they were, you know well before sell-by. And i just had this craving. And then I thought, tomorrow, because it's not the... Uh, I'll have to phone you, won't I, then, to sort out time and uh, place on Saturday. I'll have to give you a ring. Re- I'll do that on, uh, on Friday. All right? Just after. What are you looking at like that for? You were the one who started. I mean, I'm doing it in an open place where there's other people around us. He wanted me to go back to his place and said, I'll cook for you. I wasn't too sure whether or not his sort of cooking was up to my kind of standards. Paella? Yeah, paella is just so boring. Who cooks paella apart from somebody who's probably going on Tinder and, it, and wants to get the thing through as quickly as possible? You know, you don't, you're don't, you not going to spend time risotto. You've already made it. It's already in the Tupperware box. You just take it out, shove it in the microwave. I've seen dinner dates on, on the television. I, love, I like the, the premise, but these people are immensely sad. They quite clearly cannot find partners. And having heard them talk and looked at their food, I thought, I'm not at all surprised. Why would you want to go round to somebody's house and they go... I mean, I did years ago. Somebody at work said, uh, this was many, 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 many years ago, said, why don't you come round for dinner? And so I said, yeah, OK. I was a bit naive, actually, at the time, and I was sort of fairly green. Well, I wasn't green at all, actually. I'd just been dipped... In, uh, in sauce. And so and, and so I went round for dinner, and they hadn't prepared anything. They hadn't prepared anything at all. They said, I oh, was have a bottle of wine, and it was the worst wine I've ever tasted. And I'm not a wine aficionado. I mean, I, I, I know a good wine, but on the other hand, I know a bad wine. And this was cheap. This was sort of throwaway stuff. He said, this bloke said to me, he said, I was thinking of saving it, Steve, for Christmas. I thought it'll be, it'll be off long before that. Uh, it was just about on the vinegar turn. And so I had this sort of, and I thought, Where, where's the food? Where is the food? And he said, um, and then the doorbell rang, and it was a pizza. It was a takeaway pizza. I, mean, I could have sat at home and had a takeaway pizza. It was terrible. And, and so people who claim that they cook can't really cook. So when he says he does paella. You know that's just, that's real NAF student food, isn't it? It's cheap and cheerful. It's a, a risotto. That's called. Let's throw everything in a pan, and we'll add some Uncle Ben's rice, and we'll call it risotto. You know, do I cook? Of course I don't cook. That's what God made restaurants for. God made restaurants basically to keep people like you away. No, not Nando's. I don't call Nando's a restaurant. That's just wandering into a rotisserie. That's all it is. It's chicken on a rotisserie or something like that. I just thought it was very dreary. I don't quite get the whole Nando's thing. But there again, you know, I'm probably not supposed to. I can't understand why some cuts of beef cost an absolute fortune. But the place that the producers found sounds quite nice. Although Nick Ferrari told me of a great place the other day where he goes very near to me. He said, the steak is unbelievable. And he, 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 he said... He said, if you only have steak in it, so I'm going to go and try the steak in there. I'm going to take my friend Paul down, who reads the news. And Paul get yeah, yeah, because he's fun. He's fun. You see, the one thing, you being Australian, you start with chips on your shoulder before we've even gone anywhere. You know, I want you to be part of the group because I think you're probably a bit isolated in London. And, you know, you want a bit of the, of the magical glitter that's on me to rub off on you and make you more interesting. That's what you want. You also want me to pay for dinner, which is not going to happen any time soon. But um, at least with Paul, you've only got to give him half a bottle of Prosecco and he's away with the pixies. Uh, 84850. Somebody said, how about, oh, toots we did before dinner. Toots. Does anybody really call anybody toots in this day and age? But would you be insulted? Come on, it's a fairly sensible question to ask you. Would you be insulted? You go to Marks and Spencer's, they go, all right, mate. I mean, do you say that to just men or would it be to women as well? Matess or something like that. Andy the Railway Man says, uh, Me and my boyfriend like to have role playing dinner dates. <laughs> uh, 84850 oh, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody says, I think you made a boob earlier when you mentioned the black woman who'd been stabbed. You know, you wouldn't have said white woman. No, because it wasn't a white woman, it was a black woman. Otherwise, it highlighted that particular programme. That's why. You don't have to think twice about it at all. And uh, Michael and Paul. And. Uh, he says, uh, I have one friend who knows I text you from time to time and I'm not allowed to tell you. They're not listening to you anymore. But on no account am I to tell you. I think it's funny. Best not mention my name. So that's Michael and Poole. OK. Oh, sorry, Michael. Oh, dear, honestly, I'm hopeless. Hopeless at these things. <laughs> my dad was in the R.E.F." And we were brought up to respect our elders. As kids, we'd always address our friends' parents as Mr. and Mrs. I gave up my seat on the bus to an elderly pensioner. said to him, have my seat, sir. It's funny, I'm actually pushing 50. I always say, dear, you see. I think, dear, I think you say, listen, dear, have this seat here. Have this seat here. I think that works, doesn't it? Somebody says I was called Chicken yesterday. Chicken. (laughs) Who is this from? Wait a minute, I have to find out who these things are from. Because sometimes I never know who it is. Who is... My friend, Louise, I was called chicken yesterday. There's probably a joke there somewhere, isn't there? (laughs) Lou, do you think so? Uh, Somebody says, Steve, you really do love your producer. I feel sorry for him. Seriously, I mean, we actually get on really well. Well, he thinks we do. I'm just doing an act. Um, And I'm sort of pushing it through, you know, like I've been to RADA or something like that. And uh, do you think it's appropriate, says Mike, for a father to call his son mate or vice versa? I don't I don't think so. And um yes. Uh I just I just don't think mate is appropriate. And uh, I have a men's shoe shop, says Jonathan, in Aldgate, and I call all my customers sir, but my staff think it's beneath them and just grant hello or all right when they come in. A previous employee called the governor of Aswan governor should have been your excellency. I got rid of him, says Jonathan, <laughs> a bit harsh. <laughs> a bit harsh on there and uh, uh another one says, "If I saw you says Jill could I say all right treacle all right treacle no I think treacle only works if you're doing it the other way around I think because it worked for my driver all these years ago who had girlfriends <laughs> that he called treacle I just think treacle sounds so funny the way he did it it wasn't it wasn't patronizing or anything like that it just it just made me laugh but to be called mate at the till it's it's just not, right. Not in Miles Spencer's. Actually, not anywhere, really. Not anywhere at all. Uh, Troy was telling me about uh, Skittles. Oh, right. This is, this is what was said by Donald Trump's son on media. To be honest with you, I didn't get it first time round. Um, Gemma Arterton has spent a lot of time in the past complaining that the press, says Nigel, portray her as a big-chested bimbo when she's a serious actress. Must be due to all those pictures she's posed for in tight clothing with cleavage and sexy underwear. It was... She looked at Lorraine Kelly as if Lorraine Kelly had done something wrong. When Lorraine was talking about something that Gemma Arterton had raised in the past about Hollywood and about how they have this fixation with people. You've got to be thin. You've got to be thin. You've got to... Look at Victoria Beckham. Thin as a rake. She looks normal in pictures. When you see her in real life, she's thin Absolutely thin, and so when Lorraine Kelly said to Gemma Arterton, "But you just look normal," Gemma Arterton looked at her like she was making some big deal about. It. I didn't, I didn't quite see what what the point was. It was it was a little bit little bit depressing actually. Uh, Mohammed says I was called bro Tesco's today. Oh, tell me not bro. Oh, really. I think that's sad. I think that, I think you have to go somewhere else, actually. I think you have to go somewhere else. And uh, Nicholas says, what about a senior lady on the cash chill saying, thank you, my love? Oh, I don't think so. I just think thank you is enough. I don't think it needs to be any more than that. You know, if you know somebody's name, I know my, my producer's name, I wouldn't call him mate. I don't think I've ever called you mate, have I, anything like that? I don't think so, no. I just go, oi, here, over here. I've called you other words, haven't I? Yeah, well, you've called me other words, too. But that's That's where we have a symbiotic relationship. Look it up. And if you can spell it, you get a brownie point and probably a coconut for pudding.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every Wednesday, the
1: 21st of September. It's Steve Allen with you. Until seven this morning, it's nice to have your company. Uh, Natalie tells me, Steve, I used to work with a guy that called everyone fella, including the ladies. Never got used to it. Yes, I've heard of that before. All right, fella? But what was, the th- what was the thing we had before? Guy, you guys. You see, I think that covers girls and, and guys. But only if you're eating in sort of a trendy fast food place. You know, like, and I can only think of TGI Fridays. I suppose Frankie and Benny's or something like that. But that's not really, that's sort of different level, isn't it? I think probably only in TGI Fridays would somebody say, you you guys all right? I would think that would be, that would be, ex- I wouldn't think that was derogatory or, you know, or anything at all. So, but every called every fella. I'm not sure about that. And um, uh, Ian says, I hate being called young man from someone under the age of 30 when my age is above 50. Oh, I sometimes do that. Because when you get above, say, 80, people go, young man. I've said that quite a few times, actually, to people who are much, much older than me. Because, you know, I don't like to say, oh, God, you're really ancient, aren't you? Because nobody wants to hear that. I always go, yes, young man. You know, and I've met loads of people well over the age of 80, some over the age of 90. And, uh, you know, you want them to go forever and a day. But I bet you anything I'd be talking about this down at Waterloo Station today, deciding what you can call somebody, (laughs) whether or not mate is acceptable or whether it's not acceptable. And uh, 84850, uh, Rosalind says, do you know where I live uh, just from this message? Yes, I do. I know know exactly where you live from this message. Isn't that clever? Isn't that clever? I mean, everybody now has got access to information. I didn't realise until about a year ago. You know when you get a phone call and you look at the number and you think, I don't even know who that is. I've got no idea. What I do is I go to Google, I put that number in, and it will say other people who've received messages from this number, this is a, you know, um, a dialing service from overseas or something like that. So that's what I would always do. I would always do. I would always put something into uh, into Google just, to, uh, just to, to let you know. I'm emailing you, says William, about 200 yards from where Tommy Steele used to live in Freen Street in Bermondsey. In the last couple of years, they pulled down the old two up and two down that he used to live in and erected a couple of new blocks of flats, one of which is named Hicks House, which, as you know... Is Tommy's real surname? Although he now lives way out west, he still uh, returns until about five years ago, once a month to Towerbridge Road to nosh in the Pine Mash shop. Yeah, he was—he uh, came in to do an in conversation with me, and I wanted to get him in again because you know he has done everything. I'm still trying to get Cliff Richard in. Uh, because, again, he made his films, he's made his singles and all the rest of it. I don't really want to dwell on the nastiness. I want to try and sort of do something a bit upbeat and and positive. But uh, I like the idea that Tommy uh, used to go to the Pine mash shop. I I quite like that idea. Same here, isn't it, really? You know, here, people go back to different areas they used to live in, mainly because you you reminisce. I know that just off the Grey's Inn Road, there's a barber shop and it's got a plaque on it because that's where Kenneth Williams used to live. That was his father's barber shop. Obviously, changed a bit. Still a barber shop, but his father used to have the barber shop, and Kenneth and his mum used to live upstairs. And it's got a it's got a blue plaque on it. And I only discovered that about a couple of years ago. That uh, I, I quite like that sort of thing. I like the closeness of London, and I like the idea that we've got history. I like the idea that, you know, you go back to an area and you think, oh, I remember. And you do remember there was a book that came out. Who did it? Who did it? Who did it? Can't remember. But it had, um, oh, it might have been, wait a minute, it might have been our London guide, who did a book about, you know, 60 years ago or 100 years ago, this is what the area looked like and now this is what it looks like today. And it's amazing how much we've lost in London. And I don't like that. In Glasgow, says Geraldine, uh, male shop assistants call you mate, buddy or bud. Do they? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shall be going there. Well, Mo says or all, all right, son. All right, so, yes, all right. That would have to be a father, wouldn't it? That would have to be a father to his uh, to his son. Uh a lot of people I I'm quite like the idea that you like this idea because I'm I wasn't sure about it. I thought about it. Um uh, you wouldn't each you wouldn't like it up north, Steve, says somebody. They call each other miduck. Yes, I've heard about that, actually. My daughters call me Bruv says Angela, and I'm her mother. Great show. Thank you. Chris says, I don't care what you call me, as long as it's not late for dinner. I mean, you know, imagine going out for dinner, says Andrew, with an Australian. He says, how long could you string out Ayers Rock before the conversation died out? I don't know. What, I always think, and I've said this, and I've said it to you all before, that uh, these days, I think everybody has got a story. You know, if you're over a certain age, you'll have a story. You know, you you see lots of elderly people in London. And I know it's not, you know, PC to go out and talk to people. But a lot of these people, they love it. On buses, people talk to people all the time. Trains, we tend not to do it. It's a bit quiet, isn't it? But on the bus, so much noise going on on the bus anyway. Yesterday, we had a girl. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. But she looked like she'd never had a child before. She'd obviously had unprotected sex at a very early age. This kid was screaming the bus down and she was doing nothing just sort of staring out the window I wanted to go over but of course you know you can't interfere and go don't you know how to pacify a child you really need to get some parenting skills because she didn't look like she was doing anything apart from shoplifting and and I thought to myself screaming child stick a pacifier in her mouth give him a lollipop do anything just you know and or feeling that apologise to the entire bus for ruining the journey really gross really gross it was terrible Uh, So, yeah, so having a conversation with an Australian, I don't know what else you could talk about, really. I mean, you can't talk about Ayers Rock for very long, can you? It changes colour, and it's an Aboriginal sacred site. Mick says, do you remember when you were at school, if you met the teachers or the vicar, you had to salute them? I'm obviously not as old as you, Mick. We didn't have to salute any of ours. Bit difficult with the handcuffs on, but there you go. And um, I hate being called sir, having worked with a couple of sirs. I'm just a working chap, says Ian. Uh, as a taxi driver says, Kim, we get called geese and drive. Good show as always. Thank you, Kim, very much indeed. And uh, I cook paella. Somebody says here, and uh, and it costs a lot. Lots of fresh seafood and chorizo, fresh vegetables. Carry on with your frozen stuff in the microwave, Steve. Well, I mean that's what most people do, don't they? They stick it in the microwave, especially if they sort of if, if they've uh, if they've met somebody, you know, and they go, "Do you want to come back?" And they go, "What for a cup of coffee?" And they go. Yeah, yeah, a cup of coffee. Because nobody goes back for a cup of coffee now. People are all surprised. They say to me, Do you want to come back for a uh, cup of coffee? And I go, Yeah. If I don't get the cup of coffee, I leave. I'm sorry, that's what, you know, if somebody says you want to come back for a cup of coffee, that's what I'm going back there for. It's as simple as that. Up in Newcastle, men call girls, stroke women, flour. And Christine says older men call us Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Apparently, uh, mate is an antipodean colloquialism, similar to duck for Yorkshire, pet for the North Sea. Embrace the age of diversity, says James, in Cumbria. Oh, God, no, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm too old-fashioned. I'm too old-fashioned. I like being old-fashioned. You know, people say it's, um, you know, why do you think that's good? Because I just like being old-fashioned. It's great. Uh, Lorna says, I work in an office. Has a 17-year-old apprentice who calls me babe and darling, makes me feel quite uncomfortable. I'm 43. I've got kids older. Uh, Mick says um, if listeners call in and they're ex-directory, we don't take the calls. We don't, as far as I know, we don't take ex-directory calls, do we? Do we take ex-directory calls? Yeah, we, yeah, because we actually take take the number and then call somebody back. So you won't go on air unless, yeah, we, you only go on air if we have your number. It's as simple as that. Safer that way, I think. Protects you and protects us at the same time. Well, probably protects you a little bit more. Uh, it's delivery always, says Jerry. Was it with a smile and cheeky charm? Did he give you a nod and a wink? Maybe he was trying to be butch because he was intimidated by your sparkle. No, he was. he's just very tall, thin and young. And perhaps he calls... Perhaps his, his vocabulary is mate. But, you know, I think... Somebody, it's like packing bags, isn't it? Sometimes, you know, people pack bags... And then you think to yourself, no, no, no. If, if it's soft fruit, don't put it on the bottom, for God's sake. And um, Dean says, I've just started buying chicken Kiev from my local butcher. Best place to get it from. Supermarkets, terrible. They actually do one in M&S. It's probably available elsewhere, but not this particular one. Well, I don't know where they get it from. And uh, the, the cheap one is £2.50 for two. The expensive one is £7 something. And I'm assuming they are, uh, they are good. Uh, DJ1F says, all right, fella, geezer. Geezer. Does anybody use Geezer anymore? And um, another one here, uh, which is uh, somebody else was asking about uh, Geezer and Tosh. Tosh? Tosh. Actually, now that is an old fashioned word. Do you know why? Because in the book about Britain's Last Hangman, his, they used to call each other, he had to execute somebody, Britain's Last Hangman, Tish and Tosh. And uh, he'd murdered somebody. And it was in the film where, I can't remember who played the uh, the hangman, Britain's last hangman. And uh, he went, all right, Tosh. He went, yes, Tish, follow me. And uh, he had to execute his uh, friend who used to drink in the, in the pub with him. And so that's why. So Tish and Tosh, I just remember that. I just remember. Uh, Steve and uh, hello, boy. A fellow gym goer the other day said, hello, boy. He said, I let him pass on the stairs. He must have been 20 years younger. I'm just sat waiting for a flower delivery. You and your producer are keeping me sane. Well, I don't think he's keeping you sane at all. He didn't keep me sane. Seriously, I mean, I, I try. I try with him. It's good. Uh, it's Oh, it's not Ayers Rock, says James. It's Aluru. That's That's the... That's the... Um, that's the Abir- Uluru. 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 Yeah, that's, that, that's the Aboriginal name, isn't it? Indigenous name. Can we still call it Ayers Rock though? Yeah, still call it that, James. Don't be so pithy about it. Of course we can still call it Ayers Rock. Uluru Uluru or something. It's quite it changes colour apparently. It takes some ages with that creosote. Da, 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 da. Oh look it's gone it's gone orange, hasn't it? I don't want to go there, but I gather you you can actually go to Uluru uh, or Ayers Rock and you can have dinner there. You can sort of pay and you can have... Yes, you can. So, it was on the television the other day. You can have a romantic... Not actually on the rock, but looking at the rock. Yes, you can. So, I saw it on a television programme. Don't take that attitude with me, mate. Mate? Oh, God. Don't call him mate, for goodness sake. He's got a name. Petal. No, don't call him Petal. Goodness sake, it's derogatory. (laughs) Yeah, you can have a a romantic sort of... It must be really busy. It must look like a caravan site round there. Having a romantic dinner, staring at a piece of rock. What's the point of that? Not very exciting, is it? It's quite clever though the way it just is it just stick? have you been to see it? Is it just by itself in a piece of desert? There's nothing round it, there's no other rocks. Oh there's right, a town. But then you've sort of got it there. It just I mean, where did it come from? Do we know? Did it fall from space or you don't know and you're Australian. Well honestly, you can ask me a question about the capital, and I could tell you everything about it. And you don't know anything about one of your national treasures. Where did Stonehenge come from? The stones. It came from the stones. It was, it was the, the worshippers were there. We, ha- we have Woodhenge as well in this country, and Stonehenge, which is down near Salisbury, we have that. You see, you just don't, I know about this because I do those sort of programmes. And also, I'm a little bit older than you, a little bit wiser, and I absorb more information.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Morning,
1: treacles everywhere or mates, or anything. Uh, even Blue Lion says, waste of time complaining to Marks and Spencers. I tend to find, actually, if I do it on the programme, you get, you get a reaction anyway. I've got people who listen to this programme all over. It never ceases to amaze me. You, it, seriously, it never ceases to amaze me. How many people who, uh, who listen to this programme work for various companies? And I've said something before, and then somebody will come back to me and say, listen, I want to follow up on what you were talking about, that thing the other day. Because that comes down to bad management in store. That's what it comes down to. Firstly, it's no good just putting somebody in a, in a T-shirt or a uniform. You know, I would... Do you remember years ago, I went into Fortnum & Mason. Top shop in London. Top shop. Got royal warrants, you know, lovely, nice afternoon tea and all the rest of it. And I went downstairs and I had to go and collect some booze for somebody. Can't remember why, actually. But anyway, somebody said go and collect some booze, so I went to collect this uh, top bottle of wine. And the assistant who served me the filthiest shoes I've ever seen... And I thought, wait a minute, this is a top shop. I'm expecting people to be immaculately turned out. When I worked in retail, we, they used to inspect, you know, your, your jacket was smart, your tie was done up properly. They would make, because you're meeting customers, you're representing the firm. I don't come in here looking like, you know, a ragbag, tumble down, whatever. I turn up looking smart. You know, my hair's been done. Hair's been done. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, you know, I put a nice shirt on and I look smart. I make sure that my shoes are, are cleaned every day not sort of polished within an inch of your life, but I, I wipe them over just to make sure they look nice. You just make a bit of effort. And that's what I think it is. And I think, you know, far from just taking people on, I think the management in shops should uh, should definitely make sure. There used to be a really good guy who worked in Iceland, in Twickenham. Very tall guy. I think he was from up north. And he just disappeared. Just I don't even know the manager is in there now. You can't tell. They all seem to be, you know, people who work on the tills, and there appears to be no sort of management. But I, show, I suppose there must be. Couldn't actually do it any otherwise. But that's where it's, it comes from the top and works down. So, you know, I'm expecting somebody to turn up in Marks and Spencer's because it's got a reputation of being, you know, up there in the higher echelons. It's up with Waitrose. Waitrose, M&S, Sainsbury's. Then you start moving down the line until you get probably Morrison's uh, or Aldi or Lidl or something like that. But, I mean, it's, it's way up the top there. I'm expecting their standards to be higher. Than anybody else's. That's what you pay over the odds for. I'm expecting better standards. And to be called mate by somebody. I mean, surely somebody should say to the manager, you know, he really shouldn't say mate to customers. It's just, it's not right. It's just not right. You know, it doesn't upset me. I'm just thinking they've got standards. And once you start letting them slide, you know, it'll be a case. Oi, next customer. Over here. Over here, pal. Over. That, it'll be like that. And that's the time I take my business elsewhere. Eight four eight five zero. UK. Nice to have your uh, company this morning at Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. I'm with you till seven, and uh, actually, that's the one thing that, that we've got to change on the LBC website. They've got it's all brand new. LBC.co.uk. It's all brand new, and on this particular one, it's only got me down as doing Monday through Sunday. It doesn't have Saturday morning on there, does it? On the on the front page, it didn't have Saturday morning five till. 7 cuz 5 till 6 is the best of Steve Allen 6 till 7 is in conversation so we need to make sure that that, uh, that goes up there uh, growing up in the states many moons ago says mike us kids would refer to each other's parents as your old man or old lady oh god is your old man in is your old is your old lady in rest assured when addressing our friends parents directly it was mr or mrs so on i know people who call their parents by their first names by their christian names Which I was, I can't do that. I could never do that. You know, as far as I was concerned, my mother was mummy until I got to a certain age and then it was mum and daddy became dad. And I've never used their Christian names. I thought that was terribly disrespectful, but I know people that do. And um, uh, funnily enough, uh, Ree says, uh, someone will call somebody pal if they're being nasty. Really? Oh, all right. not sure about that. The olgers, the domed mountains, are very near Ayres Rocks, says Philip in Bournemouth. God's waiting room. And uh, Dave says, Dave, the stones in Stonehenge came from Wales. Yes, they weren't too sure. Have they discovered exactly uh, those... Have they discovered where where they came from? It was a worshipping thing, wasn't it? The druids have sort of latched onto it. I'm not sure it's... uh, Apparently, James says, it's not a rock, it's a monolith. No, it's definitely not a monolith, it's a rock. That's why it's called Ayers Rock. The clue would be in the term rock. It's not a monolith. A monolith is something completely different. Completely different. Mind you, you are in Cumbria. You're a bit sort of starved of education up there. And um, Andy says, I'd like to propose to my boyfriend at Ayers Rock. What do you think? Well, if you've got the money, yeah. If you work on the railways, you probably have got the money. Do you remember, Steve, the lovely Carl Wayne? My husband worked with him on Blood Brothers, and Carl used to call me Doll. I know it's a bit misogynistic, but actually I loved it. So, nineteen sixties made me feel a bit cool. Lovely man, yes, lovely, lovely show. Lovely man, married of course to Miss Diane from Crossroads. You remember she came on for in conversation, which uh, was a bit of a thrill for us. And uh, I can imagine the likes, says Rick, of somebody like Ray Winston getting away with all these sayings of these greetings, Hello, son," Hello, treacle," "All right, mate." But he wouldn't call somebody "pal," would he? That just doesn't uh, just doesn't uh, fit in at all. And uh, was it Arthur Askey who called his audience playmates? Yes, hello, playmates. Yes, he did. Uh, the Gaza joke is inappropriate. Well, you know, unfortunately, you know, I think we've gone a bit too far the other way. We've gone a bit too far the other way. And now people, you know, go into court as opposed to... I'm sorry about that if you were offended by it. But we've already pointed out to you. And you'd have to be a bit stupid, you know, if if you sort of thought that Gaza was in the real world. He hasn't got the faintest idea where he is half the time, so he probably just thinks it's quite normal. Uh, the same Sinatra joke about black people was 50 years ago in a different time. Uh, would you not be offended by a gay joke? No. <laughs> no, not the slightest. Not in the slightest. Why would I? Good God, if you are offended by everything, you need. I'd stay in and pull the curtains. Make it a lot easier for you, I should imagine. Uh, right, let's go through the, uh, the papers. Some of the stories today are a little... Because it's all Brad and Angelina, and because I have no interest whatsoever in just another tediously boring Hollywood couple, I really couldn't care less. She looks as boring as anything. I mean, she really does look dull. And so they've got all these children, and uh, she says, I've left him for the health of my family. Not our family, but my family. Something about her. She's been round the block a few times. She says, I don't want a dime, but the children stay with me. Well, he might fight that. I don't know. It's going to get ugly, whatever happens, isn't it? And so they've got children called Knox and Vivian, who are eight. Shiloh is ten. Zahara Marley is eleven. Pax Theon is twelve. And Maddox is (coughs) fifteen. That's their rainbow family. And because they're Hollywood A-listers, but I know she just looks miserable as sin. She's previously told of her wish for a rainbow family of seven children from around the world. But she's got uh, six. She says, I'd like to have seven, a small football team. But uh, she calls them her rainbow family. Uh, the good and the and the Brad. She hired a detective over fears he was cheating with a co-star. Uh, 12-year romance, two-year marriage, and then pear-shaped. And that's it. So, Divorce One was Johnny Lee Miller for her. Uh, Divorce Two was Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, First film, Assassins in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't, to be honest with you, they've got everything, these Hollywood families, except consistency. They don't. They don't have anything at all. You know, people now saying, oh, they're just together for the branding. They're just together because they go. I should imagine. I mean, she said, you know, that we hated each other at times. We shouted and screamed because I should imagine that's what she does. But they try and give the impression they go. It said, oh, look, it's like George Clooney and Amal. I mean, I'm bored with them. I couldn't tell us what these people do. Makes no difference. Doesn't affect my life. Shouldn't affect your life in any way, shape or form. I couldn't name any other films that she's made or he's made. I just know that we had nude pictures of him some years ago, which were taken with a telephoto lens. And then she came over here and, um, and she was courted, as they say, by, um, by a member of the Tory party. And uh, young, young William was, was out there and he was escorting her and apparently she's the nearest thing to the Almighty. But I couldn't care less. They can't kick their marriage together. That's their business. Nothing to do with us, is it? It's uh, it's their business. Uh, the tangoing, yes, you're going to be putting up with the dancers. It's the same old, same olds on here. Leslie Joseph is dancing with Tony Beak. But there again, he always dances with the old women, doesn't he? They always put him with the old women. Odds are of her winning, 100 to 1. Laura Whitmore, 12 to 1. Uh, Danny Mac, the Hollywood actor. Uh, sorry, Hollywood. Holly Oaks. Not quite the same as it, I realise. He gets nine to one. Daisy Low twenty five to one. So no chance there. Uh, judge Rinder, hes not a judge at all. Just a very naughty little boy. He's uh, he's ten to one. Naga Manchetti is going to be very irritating. She's irritating enough on the television. She's another one from that breakfast program. The only person they've not used is Charlie State. Put Charlie State on it. Far more entertaining. Will Young seven to two because he he went to. He's a he's a showbiz child. He's been dancing for ages and ages. Greg Rutherford, an Olympic gold medalist. He looks as though he's a bit wooden. And uh, Ed Balls, hundred to one. Tamika Empson, twenty-five to one. Not really much cop, I don't think. Uh or Aduba. This is the sporting host. He's been a bit naughty, I'm pretty certain he's a bit naughty. One of them, I think it might be him, I'm gonna find it. Uh because somebody's been tweeting but they've been paid by a company. I thought he I didn't I'm not wasn't sure actually. If he's a BBC sport host, if he is if he has been doing this, and I'm gonna find out because there's one of them. It's one of them. I can't remember which one it is. Perhaps it's not him. Perhaps it's the other one. Um, or is it Melvin O'Doom? I can't remember. It's, it's one of them. Uh, Louise Redknapp, 7 to 1. So, and again, went, went to stage school. And uh, Laura Whitmore, 12 to 1. That's called No Chance at all. But uh, she she takes a good picture and she can drape herself over people. And that's about all she's, uh, all she's good for. Uh, what else do we have in the paper? Oh, Dad Told Me Never to Do Drugs. Who is this the child of yes it 's the child of Pablo Escobar uh, Pablo Escobar was immensely wealthy because um, he had people murdered and he dealt in drugs that's the that 's the business. The cocaine king Pablo Escobar uh, Sebastian has told how Escobar took him to see cocaine production as a child in a bid to warn him of the perils, but of course that 's the family money, darling, so we keep uh, we keep shifting it out there so you can have the lifestyle. He said, my dad always told me what he was involved in, but at seven, you don't realise. Of course you don't. He says, when I was eight, he laid out all the types available on a table and told me everything about them, what they were called, what effects they had, what they looked like. And then at nine, he was taken to one of his cocaine factories. He says, he who doesn't try them is the brave one, and yet paradoxically, he was the most important drug dealer of the last century. He was was a piece of filth, I think. Uh, As a child, his father's empire pulled in 322 million pounds a year at its peak and the crook was said to have a personal wealth of 2.3 billion wow amazing actually but uh, the dinnerware set was made of gold and was worth about 306,000 which is not bad is it he said that uh, we had houses apartments planes a finca where my dad built a zoo and an airport more than 600 employees there was no uh, there was no letting go uh, escobar said to be responsible for 7,000 deaths, uh, was killed in 1993. The drama has just been made into a Netflix show. Sebastian fled to Argentina with his mum and sister, where they changed their names in a bid to start a new life. A bit stupid now, because you've just identified yourself, haven't you? I can tell you his, uh, his, his new life uh, is over there, presumably with, uh, with some of his father's money. That uh, He calls himself Maroquin now. So should be fairly easy to find, since he's given interviews to people. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Really nice to be company. It's Wednesday, 21st of September. Uh, so here is the uh, former uh, host, the ex-host of Big Brother's spin-off, Bit on the Side. He's called AJ Adudu. Do you remember him? I don't remember which one he was, actually. Obviously, obviously that's why he was the ex-host of it. But anyway, he's been rapped uh, for failing to make it clear... Sorry, she? she I, don't, I really don't even know who she is, honestly. Why do I not know this person? She was the ex-host of the Big Brother spin-off. Anyway, posted a picture uh, on uh, a tweet here uh, without mentioning that she'd been paid by the company to promote it. The Advertising Standard Authority, who got one complaint, ruled the tweet should have been marked to show she was advertising the snack. She only got 25,000 followers... She was warned to mark similar future posts with hashtag ad. She thinks, who so on earth would no, be interested in somebody with only 25,000 followers? Would, especially somebody who's an ex-host. That's called failure, isn't it? Seeing as, A, we didn't know who she was. We didn't know what sex she was. And uh, secondly, she's paid by a company to do it. And it was, uh, it's quite a big company, actually. Uh, on the subject of customer service, I was shocked when a friend who works for British Airways told me if you email a complaint to BA, they charge to investigate. No, they don't. I absolutely don't. Don't be so stupid. Why would that be? Why would that be? Of course they don't charge to uh, investigate. Nobody charges to investigate complaints. Nobody charges. It's a a free service. It's a free service. Uh, Mario uh, from Bromley. FAM, isn't it? Short for family. Most people aren't family. Unless you watch the Housewives of uh, wherever it happens to be. And they're decidedly peculiar. Decidedly peculiar. Uh, Nigel... Uh, says that Frankie Abbott uh, of Please sir, uh, many is ago, called women tarts. Did he? I mean, I remember the programme very well, and we interviewed him as well. I think it's more to do with Facebook, says Theresa. And um, if these people could press a button behind the counter, they would friend you on Facebook. Everybody is everybody's friend. The more, the merrier. Then not would be too choosy. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm still not sure about it, actually. I'm still not entirely sure. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. and uh, Kelly says, uh, "I make that Gaza joke all the time. Do you? Blimey! I tell my friends to make sure the flash is on when taking pictures so I can be seen." Yeah, I mean, I don't, it, it sort of it gets people both ways that uh, that Gaza thing, doesn't it? Timothy Spall was the one who played Albert Pierpoint, Karen in a cab workward bound, as they say. It was such an interesting thing because Timothy Spall, I think, is a great actor. Great actor. And uh, Albert Pierpoint was Britain's last hangman. His father had been a hangman. He was also a a landlord, a pub landlord. And he would go back and, of course, the pub was always packed because they were interested that he was a hangman. You know, he went over and executed a lot of Nazi criminals. I think he did 13 in one, one day, literally in a big long line. I think there were about ten people to be hanged, and he could get people down fairly quickly. But uh, he he wrote a book uh, after he finished being a hangman. He, he, He stopped, and the reason he stopped was something so silly that you look back on it and you think, good God. He turned up at a prison, and he would arrive the... I think it was the evening before the hanging in the morning. So what he would do is he would have a look at the prisoner, and they would tell him the weight of the prisoner and he would adjust a sandbag to stretch the rope. So the, uh, the sandbag would be hanging on the rope. Bearing in mind the execution cell was next door to the condemned cell. It's just that the condemned prisoner didn't know that's where it was and they would take them out for exercise in the yard and then they could, they could set everything. So come the execution in the morning at 8 o'clock or whatever time it was, they would generally about 8 o'clock, they would literally slide the wall open, he would come in, strap their hands behind their back, and they would literally walk into the next room, which is where they were to be, uh, where they were to be hanged. And, um, and he used to do this. He would put this sandbag on the rope, which would stretch the rope so that the rope was was stretched to its capacity, And that was because otherwise you'd have a disaster with maybe people's heads coming off, which I think it did on one occasion. Anyway, the reason he stopped being a hangman, to cut a long story short, was because he'd arrived at the prison and he wanted a hot meal. And they said the kitchen staff had gone home. You can have a salad, a ham salad. He said... I've, and he, he created such a fuss about it. That was it. He never, he never went back to hanging again because he thought he was entitled, which he was, to have a hot meal. And they knew that there was an execution in the morning and the kitchen staff had gone home and there was no hot food for him. And that put him off completely. So he, he, he wrote a letter and he stopped. Then he wrote a book about his experiences. And funnily enough... I say, funnily enough, a bit of a peculiar job to want in the first place. But he uh, he always regretted it. He didn't think that we should have a death penalty, having hanged so many people. Uh, back in Vienna, after six weeks, Gruß Gott aus Wien, says Paul Hollingdale, and uh, he says you might be interested to know that Austria has been without a president since July, and they'll now have to wait until 2017 for its next head of state to take office as the country prepares to vote in a scandal-played election rerun. It appears that when they were checking the postal votes, there was not enough glue on the envelopes, so the voting slips were easy to access, thus threatening the the narrow majority. Government officials rescheduled the new presidential election for October, but the event remains in a sticky situation. The man in charge decided to pop down to the printers to make sure a new set of envelopes had enough glue on them to avoid further embarrassment. The printer didn't appear to be in a hurry, so the nation will now have to wait until January 24th when the population will, at last, be able to cast their votes in what will be a highly charged contest, unless, of course, they run out of glue. He said, oh, by the way, I decided to drive into Hungary last Saturday for the usual Tesco run. Coming back, the barriers were up and we had to show our passports to get back into Austria again. There we go. A little bit of Ruritania. thank you. Nice to have you back in uh, in Vienna, Paul Hollingdale and I go back many, many years, many more years than we care to remember. Because when I, I was I was talking to Jane Seymour the other day, and um, she's going to be going out this weekend on In Conversation together with Daniel Radcliffe, who was Top Boy. Top Boy. So two top people. He is considerably younger than than both of us. And Jane and I were. We both decided that we could sit down with probably a bottle of very nice uh, wine and sit down and just gossip forever and a day. So we were were sort of running quite late yesterday. But at least we made the effort. And it's a good conversation. We're talking about uh, she's back on television. It's an eight parter. It's a female Indiana Jones. She doesn't play the Indiana Jones character, she plays the mother, but it's a super piece. It really is. It's a very nice piece. We'll tell you all about it over the weekend. 84850 stevedlbc.co.uk. We shall put everything in. We go back through all the, uh, the papers. I it. I'm trying to find a paper that hasn't concentrated on uh, Brad and Angelina. And I'm just having a quick look at the front of the Telegraph. It's Brad and Angelina. The front of the Guardian, it's Brad and Angelina. The front of the I, it's Brad and Angelina. And the front of the Times, it's Brad and Angelina. Who cares? This serious. does it really make any difference. I couldn't care less whether he's cheated, whether he's done dope smoking, which they're alleging. I couldn't care less. I really, it's nothing to do with us. But we have this endless fascination, do we not, with celebrities? Because we want to know what goes on behind the closed doors. In their case, not a lot. Apparently. I mean, it just doesn't finish. This has obviously been brewing for ages and ages and ages, and so now they've got to that, uh, that sort of stage where she said, for the sake of the children. I love the other way she says my children as opposed to our children. I thought that was actually quite, uh, quite telling. Um, hallelujah. Uh, that Aussie family, you remember they were being turfed out and being sent back again and we find the government have actually seen some sense on this one and they've won their battle to stay in the UK. I've still got the story to come. It's the oddest story I've ever heard. and I can't remember why I wrote it down. It's France is the first country to ban plastic cutlery. Why would you ban plastic cutlery? I mean, how do people, I mean, how do you cope? I can't remember. There are a couple of airlines, aren't there, that actually have metal cutlery on there. Because at one point, they, they took it away because it was a weapon. And so they decided... So they gave people plastic. Well, I mean, it was ridiculous watching people sort of trying to carve steak up with a plastic knife and fork. I used to break them constantly. It was ridiculous. But there again, because a, a metal knife could be used as a, as a weapon against somebody, they've just banned six more Brits, turned up drunk. From, a, from, from a, a sort of a legal bar kind of thing. And they've been barred from getting back on their flight again. I think they were coming back with one of the cheaper airlines. And, um, and they've said, we're not taking you. And I always think if, if the cheaper airlines won't take somebody, they could be stranded out there for ever and a day. That's what they do nowadays, isn't it? They actually put their foot down and they say, I'm sorry, we're not taking you back. And, of course, they've got no recourse or anything. They don't get their money back from the tickets. They're just kind of stuck somewhere. And because they're drunk, they don't know what they're doing. The good news is that we found one drunk, the woman who urinated twice, not once, but twice, on a war memorial honouring the war dead. People who paid the ultimate sacrifice, they finally sent her to prison. If only that woman who'd assaulted the police 11 times the other day had been sent to prison, I'd be uh, a lot happier about life. Hands up, seconds later, a cop in America shoots a black pastor dead. We've got no idea why It it was a female cop in America. Victoria Beckham says she feels sexier now than she was when she was with the Spice Girls. Yeah, right. Okay, whatever. Uh, Will, my dark, sad moments, it's to plug something and I can't remember what it is. Is it celebrating 70 years of the ambulance, the helicopter service, which I wasn't even aware he uh, was doing anymore. And um, the carnage caused caused by one driver talking on her mobile. They've released the photos to show.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. I keep thinking it's Friday, but it's definitely not Friday. It's Wednesday. It's the 21st of September. France bans plastic cutlery. To unlock an iPhone in America, £900,000 the FBI paid. Nick Ferrari will talk about this this morning at breakfast. A UK professor has done it for 75 quid. Obviously, it can't be that difficult, can it, really? Uh, The foreign aid cash to fight terror. End of the eye surgery lottery. And uh, finally, finally, justice... Finally, we've seen justice. The woman who urinated on the war memorial has been sent to prison. The rugby yob locked up for the face-kick hell. And hands up! But seconds later, a cop shoots a black pastor dead. He had no gun. And One Direction. Please tell me they're not going to make a comeback. There's been a, a few little rumours. Because basically, nobody's doing anything in the actual group, are they? And we, we seem to remember that we've got one who's sort of making a film... Um, about Dunkirk, that he sort of disappeared, and uh, then you've got the little Irish boy, uh, whose name I can't remember. He just sort of plays golf. Then you've got Louis Tomlinson. He doesn't appear to be doing anything. And Zayn Malik. So that come up with a five of them or four of them? I can't remember. Have I missed somebody out? So there's Harry Styles. There's who? Niall Horan. Then you've got Louis Tomlinson. That's three. And then Zane. Is there somebody else? There's only four, is there? There is somebody else, isn't there? Why can't... How embarrassing not to remember the other one. I'm so sorry to One Direction fans. I'm not really. I'm just saying it. But uh, but there is a there is a rumour. Uh, Louis Tomlinson... Oh, Liam Payne. Oh, how quickly we forget Liam. I'm so sorry, Liam. Everybody's forgotten about you. And they've not actually done anything. Apart from Zane Malik, who you know, can get himself into the charts but can't go on tour because of his anxiety, panic attacks uh, for some reason because presumably the moment he gets up on the stage they're going to annihilate him because he was only good really as as part of a a group. And so now there's a bit of a hint that's been dropped. Uh, Crazed Directioneers, that's what they call the fans of One One Direction, have gone wild after a future events button appeared on the Supergroup's website. Their supporters are convinced it means the boys are set for a mega reunion tour. they have only just split up. Why would they have a reunion tour? You have a reunion tour after about 15 years when nobody's bothered with you. That's like Bros, only really in their case they shouldn't really bother. And JLS shouldn't really bother with a reunion tour. Nobody's interested. But, uh, but for One Direction, there's no chance any time soon. I don't think so. How would Zayn cope? Poor Zayn couldn't cope at all, could he? And so one fan says, I told you so, they're all getting back together again. A spokesman declined to comment, which, of course, keeps it fueling, doesn't it, really? Because what they've actually done on the One Direction website, they, and they've, they've been so clever by it, but the fans don't know. They're launching new merchandise. So, in other words, they're keeping it going, even though the group are not together, and show no signs of being back together. That's why a spokesman has no comment on it, but they've got new merchandise on the website because they want to try and rake in as much money as possible. It's very clever marketing. Very clever marketing. Uh, posting a, a picture of Harry Styles, Fan Anouska said, they added a future event to the official website. Right now, me laughing at the haters. So some even hope that Zane Malik will reunite. No chance. Well, he's writing a book about his experiences. and no chance they'll be back with him any time soon. Definitely. And Harry Styles, now he's had all his hair shaved off, They're going to be creaking like old men up on that stage. It's going to be very embarrassing. I don't think they're going to get back together, but it's given a huge plug to the fact that the website has got new merchandise on, so the fans will, of course, buy it. But uh, I don't think that they're going to get back together. I mean, none of them have done a stroke of work since, have they? Harry's done this film. I don't think Liam's done anything. I don't think Louis Tomlinson, apart from getting that girl in America pregnant. And I don't think Niall Horan's done anything, apart from sort of turn up to his brother's wedding. And that was about it. They haven't bothered doing anything else. And, of course, the longer you leave it, as I pointed out only the other week to Molly King, the longer you leave it to go back into the studio, nobody's interested. Listen, poor old Sarah Harding spends most of her time trotting around thinking she's a singer, which, of course, that finished ages ago. That was in another decade. Nobody's interested in in her singing. Molly King from the Saturday. Nobody's going to be interested in Molly King. She went out with a male model who modelled underpants for Marks and Spencers. And she goes to all these sort of, you know, charity things and stuff like that. She's not going to get back in the charts. What's she got in common with the fans? Nothing. As a group, successful. Only as a group. That's why so many of these boy bands that you see over the years, you know, the moment people try and move away from it, uh, or somebody splits off or everything else, it's like the Spice Girls. Exactly the same as I said a short while ago. The problem is that there's only going to be three of them. Because two of them have said they don't want to do it. So they can't call themselves the Spice Girls unless, unless they're going to sort of pad it out with somebody who looks like Victoria. And it's not easy to find a broomstick with boobs, is it, nowadays? You'd have to look around fairly hard. And also Melanie C, so you are going to find somebody who does the acrobatics and stuff like that. It's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd be very surprised. I know they've got a date reserved. I've just got a feeling that it, it won't happen. I don't think Melanie C is interested. She said the other day even two million quid wouldn't interest her. Bross has said to be getting ten million why would Bross be getting £10 million and the Spice Girls were only going to get £2 million? How does that work out? Surely the Spice Girls were marginally more successful than Bross. Uh, Cliff Richard, his new hit is a calendar at the age of 75. Cliff Richard uh, waits to hear if he's going to be uh, charged. I think he hears this week. I'm pretty, pretty certain he hears this week. And uh, he's rolled out his 37th calendar for fans in time for Christmas. It's got uh, 12 black and white... Photos of the singer through the ages. So, uh, fingers crossed that it'll be another huge seller for the Cliff fans who buy the wine and buy all sorts of things because they just buy into, into Cliff Richard. Why? Because he's a nice person. Simple as that. Ten minutes past six. Why I always tell you it's ten minutes past six, I've got no idea. It always occurs at the same time every day. Ten past six. I think because I must be thinking that somewhere along... Ooh, Angelina Jolie's got a tattoo on her back. That's just why they've split up. What are they? What are they going to do? The decision they've said was made. This is from her lawyer. For the health of the family, she'll not be commenting, and asks that the family be given its privacy at this time. So having milked it for everything it's worth, now all of a sudden, because they're splitting up, uh, Brad has said, "I'm very saddened, but what matters most now is the well-being of our kids. I kindly ask the press to give them the space they deserve during this challenging time." They could walk in this building. I wouldn't know who they were. They could all individually walk around Leicester Square and things like that. We wouldn't know who they were. However, talk about dim. Here she is, Katie Price again. Poor old Katie, whose career is kind of... It's grinding down slowly but surely. The little star is just peaking, I'm afraid. But she's blasted Michelle Keegan... Wait for this. For wearing too much makeup. This is It on Plaster of Paris. The, uh, the poor old... Uh, Poor old Katie Price. Her attack came as it was revealed her own nine-year-old daughter plans to launch a beauty business. What? She's nine. She thinks she's going to do it on Instagram. Uh, Well, she's nine years old, so she won't be allowed to. She said she's going to do her own makeup tutorials. She's nine. Don't be so stupid. She's also changing her name. Apparently asked if Princess was growing up too fast. She's called, she's called Princess Tia Me. I know. Make of that what you will. She loves being outdoors with the horses, getting dirty in the mud. Then when she's with her friends in her bedroom, she'll be doing everyone's makeup. Princess is my business double. Just wait till you see the makeup ranges. Oh, God, said, <laughs> I'm sick to death of people saying I do all that as if I do that to a nine-year-old girl. She hasn't got hair extensions or eyelash extensions, and I don't tint her eyelashes. We don't actually care, darling. We just feel a bit sorry for you. But uh, I have to tell you that she's dropping Peter Andre's name. So at the moment, I'm assuming she's Princess TME Andre, or Andre-Price. But anyway, she's dropping the Andre bit. I wonder if he knows that all of a sudden she's going to be calling herself Princess Price. She says Princess Price will be a stage name, not Andre. Oh, God. She's quite peculiar, isn't she? But of course, you know what that means? I'll predict it now. That means that loose women will just be devoted to talking about her boring children. Seriously, that's all it comes down to. And again we have to suffer with a with a programme that's based on why don't they just sort of give her a program sort of in Tunisia or something like that? Let her go and do it somewhere else. Couldn't care less. Uh, one direction and girls allow should merge. And then Liam and Cheryl could tour together. Yeah, because he doesn't do anything, does he? But they don't need to. They made so much money. They don't need to work. But it must be awful to be washed up at that age. That's what that sort sort of worries me. I'm not sure, actually, Ian, well, you know, whether or not, you know, Liam and Cheryl... Because we know she can't sing. We heard her on the programme, didn't we? It was bad. She was OK miming, but she wasn't OK with the, uh, with the singing bit. So, uh... I don't know what she can do. And also, can he dance or is he just going to look a little bit wooden? I suspect he can't dance. And so I suspect he will look a little bit wooden. I'm only guessing. I mean, I might be totally wrong. But I just don't think... I mean, she, she's she got an album sitting on the shelf. It was recorded ages and ages ago. So I'm beginning to wonder whether or not they're going to sort of rehash that. Uh, and uh, and it will be sort of reissued. Or what's reissued? I don't... It's not even been issued, has it, yet? Uh, Steve, I thought the term guy was male. My friend and I, both in our 70s, get, Hi, guys. Then I get confused, thinking I'm sure I was female when I left home this morning. Perhaps it's a compliment, says Gillian in Bath. Well, I don't know. Joe says, "Uh, Now that you're on air till seven, I miss 30 minutes of the show because I work at Wormwood Scrubs and I'm trying to change the shift so it won't happen. Big fan, he says. Big fan. Well, you have to do that or you have to podcast because I'm here Monday through Friday. Four till seven. And on Saturday, five till seven, within conversation. This week, well worth it. Jane Seymour, Daniel Radcliffe. Promise you, really, really super interviews. <sighs> I don't just say that. I do, well, I do, actually. I do just say that. You're listening
0: to a podcast from LBC.
1: 6.20, morning.
0: Nice to have company. Wednesday, the
1: 21st of September. Poor old Charlie Girling. I think she must have gone out to a premiere last night. Gin. I've always said to people... Because my friend John drinks gin. And I've always said it was called Mother's Ruin. And there's a reason for it. It ruins your mother. Uh, So, wish you well, Charlie. See you later. Uh, Victoria Beckham has said she feels hotter now than she does... Or she did at 20. I suppose we'll just have to take her word for it. But apparently she said it makes her even more desirable to David. Again, we'll have to take her word for it. But she does say here uh, her family is a travelling circus... Because of how talented they are, Brooklyn is a keen photographer. That's like saying you like fuzzy felt farm, isn't it? Really, Cruz is a budding pop star, and Harper, at five, is a fashionista like mum. No mention of poor old Romeo, who doesn't get a look in, does he? So obviously, Romeo has no talent whatsoever. But it's it's Cruz, a budding pop star, I think not. Uh, Brooklyn, at seventeen, a keen photographer, still out on his little skateboard at seventeen. He appears not to have any friends. They appear to be quite sort of devoid of friends, this family, because they're always out with their photographers. But I suppose if they were out with their friends all the time, they'd have to get permission to use the pictures because it's, it's mainly staged. So we had a picture the other day of Brooklyn on his skateboard. Again, no girlfriend and obviously not, not really sort of interested in going out and finding anybody because it doesn't, uh, doesn't kind of work for him. I think she ditched him because I think he was just boring. I think, he, you know, you never see him actually bursting with it. He has to go out with his... Uh, Go out with his sort of parents all the time, mainly not his mum. Oh, that's right. He helped her the other day, didn't she? When she had a couple of uh, Sherbans. and uh, eight four eight five zero. Daniel Radcliffe or Darren Brown? I'm sure he said Darren Brown before. Was that last week? No, no. We only recorded Darren yesterday. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe. We did this week as well. Next week, I've got tons of people to do. Seriously, I'm just uh, negotiating uh, with the producer of Danny DeVito to come in. Uh, so that'll be, uh, that'll be a good one. I think that might be a three-way conversation. I think he's bringing the kids in as well, so that should be very interesting. Uh, Steve, they could employ Katie Price as a Sky Sunrise newsreader. She'd fit in there. What, because of the amount of makeup she wears? They do wear a lot, don't they? But then I always thought that the thing that makes me laugh at Sky is the fact that nobody's hair moves. It's rocks... You could bang nails in with these people's hair. The hair never moves. It's uh, stuck like that. Although they did say the other day, Sarah-Jane Mee, I think, said that she was going to throw a big party for Eamon Holmes. And uh, I think they want to make sure he's really going. And so they're going to throw a huge party with food and everything. I, tell you what, I, lo- I like miniature food at parties. We don't get it very often, but I do love miniature food. So you go and you have little miniature fish and chips and little miniature beef burgers and stuff like that. I, I quite like that uh, that sort of thing. Uh, the butter teliad was not rotten. So this is a Johnny Rotten. Story. Uh, He's the former sex pistol. I always thought he was the biggest fraud, you know, trying to pretend, you know, I am an anti and all we had all that kind of rubbish. But anyway, he claims the most punk thing he ever did was his television commercial for butter. It featured him dressed in tweed and waving the British flag, but was blasted by fans uh, from his sudden. It was just an act. It was just an act. He didn't. He, he never was a proper punk. It was just a feeble act. He thought if you sort of behaved badly and swore and everything else, then people took notice. And of course, they kind of fell for it. Oh no, he's a little middle-class boy, isn't he? Very much so. He's sixty now. He uh, says that the Butterad, ad—it repre- was only in two thousand and eight. I mean, it was donkeys years ago now—represented uh, the pinnacle of his punk attitude. He said, it's the most punk thing I've ever done, proving that it really is. It's just fraud from start to finish. He lives in Malibu in California. So punk, isn't it, really? I thought he'd be living in a squat somewhere. Well, you could be in California. But uh, he says, I can take all manner of nonsense from people calling me sellout, but you've got to understand what that means. What have I sold out? I've never not been myself that uh, they had an 87% spike in sales after the adverts broadcast. of, so I just, I mean, I thought it was a sellout. If, of course, you believed that he was the punk, you know, I always thought I met, who um, was the one who died in the Sex Pistols? It was the one who, with Nancy Spungen. Uh He was the one who, di- he was the most odd-looking person. He was really, Sid Vicious, Sid Vicious was the one who died. And he was just, it was just, Bizarre! I saw them in the early days. We went to do an interview with them. A friend of mine went to do the interview, and I just went along. And it's sort of they were just sort of they were just being particularly difficult, you know. And sort of yeah, we'll talk about that, right, man? All this kind of stuff. And you thought you're just playing at being pop stars. We see it normally on the television, don't we? When you watch little little popsicle groups coming in, and I'm always fascinated because I always think, I wonder what you're going to be doing in a year's time. Uh, here's Prince Harry apparently thinking that this is dancing, proving that at 32, the royal who was trained at Sandhurst, really has no sense of rhythm whatsoever. Thank goodness for that. You were so worried, weren't you, that not only was Harry the sexy one of the royal family, it's not exactly much to put him up against, is there? When they go, he's the most popular royal, against whom? Who else is there in the royal family who is of the same sort of calibre Calibre as, uh, as Harry? But when, when he saw this dance move, I thought, oh, God, Shades of John Travolta. So back to the 70s, I suggest that neither of the boys can dance they have no sense of rhythm. I mean you could just imagine William would probably be better in sort of, you know, da 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 da. That's about as far as it goes. But he does talk about his dark sad moments, saving people's lives as an air ambulance pilot. Um I'm not exactly sure. <coughs> excuse me, what his role is in the air ambulance, but they they've got a, a, a documentary uh following the East Anglia. Air ambulance crew as they rushed to emergence, including a car crash scene. He said there are some very dark, sad moments. It's very hard. And uh, the air ambulance captain kind of summed it up, James Pusey, who said, Will's, he's very good with advice. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, <coughs> that's the cough taking over again. Well, actually, not a cough. I told my boss the other day, didn't have the cough. I've just got the sniffles, which is, uh, which is terribly frustrating. So you're going to get a documentary. Then you're going to get Prince Philip talking about the Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme. And, uh, and then you're going to get uh, Harry hopefully not doing any more dancing. It's just too ridiculous, isn't it? Whatever happened to, you know, the... Uh, somebody says, what, are, what about a Take That reunion? Well, we've had two, haven't we? We've had them. I think there might be another one as well. And Gary Barlow features on a new programme, uh, which is to put together a Take That West End show. And so he's there, and uh, who else is on it? Oh, Mel Gidroich, sorry to say. Yes, they've decided to use her again. I don't know why, I must be the only person. Not everybody's the same, I understand. Uh, I just don't find Mel and Sue funny. I like Sue Perkins. Mel Gidroich is just irritating. She's got that irritant factor about her. A bit like Naga Manchetti. Who else? Laura Whitmore. They've all got irritant factor. I don't know why. Jeremy Corbyn's come up with something very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. He says here... He's given a pledge... I will nationalise the great British Bake Off. He says, The fate of Bake Off was decided when we allowed it, the BBC, to contract out programming, making to someone else, the public lost ownership of Bake Off. And to thunderous cheers, he whipped up the audience by jokingly saying, Shall we get it back? In your dreams, matey, in your dreams, I'll nationalise the great British Bake Off. I don't think so. We don't want that kind of uh, Stalinist movement coming and taking over things. That's the whole idea. Other companies make programmes. You know, and if the BBC haven't got the money, they they can waste it on presenters. I mean, to be honest with you, I think anything above a shilling a week is wasted on Gary Lineker. Mind you, talking of wasting money, here's a poor creature here. Her name is uh, Janie Farrell. Janie Farrell is one of those sad, lonely people who goes out and spends money on shopping, she thinks spending £3,000 a month she probably doesn't, it's probably a bit fantasy for her uh, is her talent she spends obscene amounts on lip fillers, hair extensions and designer gear, I mean seriously you you look at the picture and you think, you've kind of wasted your money here, she's uh, 30 and she puts the bulk of her commission based income from selling handbags into funding her habit Janie says, I love money She's had manicures, blow-drys, eyelash treatments, hair extensions, bottles of fake tan. Her fiancé finances the rest of her shopping habits with his £100,000-a-year job. What he does, it doesn't say. She comes from Newcastle. It wasn't where there was anybody in Newcastle who earned £100,000-a-year. Seriously, can't see. But they've got a picture of her, and she just looks a bit peculiar. Why is it that all the people who spend money on what they think is tarting themselves up, it's really got to look at poor old Jordan on the television to realise you don't touch Botox or fillers because you end up looking that bad. I mean, you really do end up looking that bad. It's ridiculous. The Bride of Wildenstein had her face almost reconstructed, you know, to the detriment of everything. She just looks atrocious. And poor old Katie Price is almost stuck in a freeze frame. Seriously, I thought she was a photograph when she was first on the programme. So little movement was there going on.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, really Nice to have you, company. Wednesday, 21st of September. Calvin said the Steve Allen show is on fire this morning. It's probably a joke there. And uh, Annabelle says, I can't wait. I have an inappropriate crush on Darren Brown. Hashtag... Barking up the wrong tree <laughs> He'd laugh at that He would laugh at that And uh, lots of people retweeting me Which is quite good, including uh, Donna I was telling people earlier on That uh, I've got uh, uh, an interview today With Monty Don, who's written a book about his dog And other things as well So this is a second dog book that I've done One about losing dogs And one about people's obsession with dogs So for animal lovers, that'll be coming your way Very, very shortly But this weekend, it's Daniel Radcliffe Two films out Really both completely different. You've you've never seen one of them, which is called Swiss Army Man. You've never seen anything like it. It's um it's a breaking wind film. That's all I could tell you. It's it's but I thought it was a rites of passage movie, strangely. But uh, you'll love that one and you will also love Jane Seymour as well. Lovely. Truly the English. Rose. Uh, Front pages of the papers, if you're just waking up this morning and you're slightly late, we start at four. If you're going to be this late again, would you mind sort of sending in a note from your parents or something? Because there's no point in me sitting here if I've sort of got people saying, I've only just woken up because I don't need to be at work till nine. And most people leave it to the last minute, I've discovered. Most people getting up, if somebody's coming into work at nine, they leave it to about quarter past eight before they even, and then they, I used to do it myself. You lean over and you touch the top of your alarm clock to give you an extra 10 minutes. And so you end up with this gas and then you end up lying there thinking, oh, God, the alarm clock couldn't go off any second now. And so that's what it is. So for the- I appreciate the fact that we are at the the other end of the day for you, and that's why we're sounding particularly chipper this morning, mainly because it's another Hollywood divorce, and we love a Hollywood divorce, although, frankly, I'm, I'm bored witness with it. I've never known so much coverage. Seriously, never known so much coverage in the, in the paper. And every paper, in fact, the only one that's not covering it is, uh, better just check, actually, just in case it is. Uh, no, it's not. The only one that's not covering it is the Financial Times. Uh, I'm very disappointed, actually, on the subject of the Financial Times, and I don't, I don't often mention them in my paper review. But Santander have halted the William and Glyns talks. The Spanish lender Santander has pulled out of talks with the Royal Bank of Scotland to acquire William and Glyns in a blow to the state-backed operator's attempts to offload the Challenger Bank. I can't bear it. I can't bear it. I don't like it. I don't want to be part of a Spanish building society. Thank you very much indeed. I saw the adverts. I just don't feel it's what we do in this country. We do banking. And so I wanted William & Glynn's to come back. That's who I was with years and years ago. And then it turned into Royal Bank of Scotland. I've been very happy with Royal Bank of Scotland. So what I shall do is I shall move all my accounts up to Scotland. I've no intention of going with anybody else. They offered us that last time round. So the William and Glynns thing, I don't think it's going to happen. So that's the only reason I mentioned the Financial Times this morning. But it's it's Brad and Angelina. You'd think we've never heard of a couple divorcing because they've both been married, I think, either two or three times each. So it doesn't bode well, does it? And they've got six children. Uh, There are shocking claims. Every newspaper is full of stories about the fact that uh, she thought he was cheating. And uh, it's either with uh, hookers as suggested by one of the papers, or it's with one of his co-stars. And you think, well, they've been together 12 years. They've been married two years. But apparently they've been arguing for ages. None of this happens overnight. It takes ages and ages. And then they get round to it. She's already said, I'm keeping the kids. I think the courts will be deciding that, because I'm sure it will go through the court process. He's actually very sad, but he said, no, it's the welfare of the children, who, of course, are stuck in the middle, aren't they? Whenever this goes pear-shaped, doesn't matter whether it's with you or whether it's with them, it's if there's kids involved then that's uh, that's generally what uh, what happens. And so uh, they, they feature front page of just about everything. Uh, interesting, uh, Interestingly enough, Cristiano Ronaldo is apparently dating a former Miss Spain. Is he? Good Lord. There's always something unusual in Cristiano Ronaldo's life, isn't there? Now dating a Miss Spain. I'm always fascinated by these things. How much are Brad and Angelina worth? £300 million. Um And so what they're going to do is... I don't know where they go from here... I'll project, Nick Ferrari will hopefully find out some answers this morning. He's got a, one of those uh, people coming in, the divorce lawyers, because the only people who will win out of this will be the divorce lawyers. They will be the people who uh, who make the money and they'll have to decide what happens. I mean, if, it, if it's as straightforward as we, as we think it might be, well, then that's great. They've both got to be adult about it. But as usual, they'll be bickering. They'll be this and that. And they're living with me because they generally go to the mother. Uh, but and she said he can have visitations and everything else. And then, of course, we all remember that car crash disaster that was Madonna, who went to the court in New York to get custody of her son Rocco, uh, only to find that uh, he's living back in London. Which, of course, as we pointed out on the programme, she then rushed back over here for a photo opportunity as Rocco was beginning school, and also he'd been left home alone because his dad, Guy Ritchie, had gone on holiday. Of course, not answering the question, what happened to... Um, to the other children in Madonna's family. Did she dump them at home as well? The answer is, yes, she did. So they can't sort it out. These people think they're above everything. They think that they know what they're talking about. They're just ordinary people. The fact they happen to be actors and actresses is, is of no interest to anybody. The only thing that's different between them and you is they've got more money than you. That's the only difference. You know, he, she's no better an actress than, you know, Miss Marple over here. And he, he's no better than any of the people we've had playing James Bond. But they're sort of known as a Hollywood A-list couple. Whatever that means. Still means they can't keep the marriage together, doesn't it? So perhaps many of you are doing an awful lot better. That's the front page of the Daily Star. The One Direction story about the comeback. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it's to flog some merchandise on the, uh, the website. Uh, the Sun... Very bizarre. Attack number two on Bale Girl Clan. This is an aunt of Gareth Bale's fiance. Yesterday, days after her grandparents' car was torched, have uh, set fire to two cars of uh, of uh, Gareth uh, Bale's fiance. It's an aunt. A gangland war is believed to have hit the family of Emma Reese jones whose father's in prison for uh, for all sorts of misdemeanours. And now you've got pictures of um, cars which have been torched in the driveway. I don't know what sort of people these are, but I'm looking at the gates on the house and I've got a rough idea. And uh, although she's hundreds of miles away, this is uh, Gareth Bale's bride-to-be. She was very worried about it. I bet her grand's house was targeted... And uh, the dad, uh, six years, money laundering. So they're obviously not the most pleasant of families. And now somebody's obviously decided they're going to torch the cars. Two people seem running away. And, um, and that, as I say, is it. So well done, Gareth Bale. Picked the right old family there, didn't you? But uh, it's uh, Angelina who dumped Brad, cheated with star and hookers, smoked dope and booze daily, flew into rage around the kids. She wants full custody. You can imagine... You can imagine, can't you? She's she's absolutely going for this one. It's a case of no. I'll. Dr- it's it's the it's the the Johnny Depp story with Amber Heard all over again. Although Amber Heard, we're now told, is with Cara Delevingne. Amazing that I thought she was heterosexual, but apparently she's not. Uh, front of the Daily Telegraph this morning, the split second when nothing else. Marriage. Oh my God! Screamed the internet as one. Ha! Said Jennifer Aniston, lying between. Her husband's uh, and her brilliant career saying, why is nobody paying any attention to me, Tim Farron and everybody else? And this is all because it's the Brad Pitt again thing. It's the, oh, they've split up. Oh, they've done this. Oh, they've done that. Who cares? Really doesn't make it bad parenting, substance abuse. It's all going to come out, isn't it? You know, you can almost see people in Fleet Street, and we call it laughingly, Fleet Street, it doesn't mean Fleet Street, uh, rubbing their hands and going, well, thank God for that. Well, at least we'll have something to fill the weekend papers with, because it's it, 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 pages and pages, pages and pages. I mean, I've never known so many pages. I mean, the, the Sun, I've got it on the front page, and four, five, six and seven. Who cares? Who cares? I couldn't be less interested. I know I'm mentioning it, but it's because it forms part of the paper review. Uh, My Exciting Life as a Pilot by Prince William. I'd like to see exactly how many times he is flying this thing. You know, and I thought he was co-pilot. I wasn't aware, actually, that that he's sort of... He's practically single-handedly saving people's lives. You know, getting there and it's William to the rescue. It'll be Saint William very shortly. Uh, Fitness trackers can make you fatter, say the Times on the front page. They become as normal as wrist... Uh, watches for millions of people. I've seen them. They look quite nice, but I mean, I, I don't want one. The uh, study by the University of Pittsburgh, where it was 500 young adults um, who were undergoing counselling because of their weight, half were treated using a normal weight loss intervention, which included diet and exercise advice. The other half also had a commercially available fitness tracker in the hope it would improve their performance, yet they did worse. So people have them. I think it tells you how many. <coughs> excuse me, steps you've walked and how many bits you've done here, there and there. I think it's just another gimmick. I think it's just something else, isn't it? Haven't You go, um, I've done 4,222 steps today and you go, yeah, brilliant. I still know fat people who go on diets, they do the exercise, doesn't make the slightest difference, they're still exactly the same weight. Ridiculous. Uh, Cheers, Madeira, says Andy. We we're talking about being called mate in Marks and Spencers by somebody on the till the other day. And and I said, I don't want to be called mate. I'm never so sorry. I don't think Marks and Spencers is a mate kind of place. In fact, I actually do not, I do not want anything else. So, you know, I just, I don't want anything. I don't want anything at all. It's ridiculous. And uh, like the show, says Max, he comes from Newcastle, Ooh, you, oh look, see you bark. Oh, that's somebody else, isn't it? He says, "Rest assured, many have earned well over a hundred thousand a year." Obviously, not you. I don't think. I don't think you're one. Well, I think it's uh, Jackanory, Jackanory time. But I quite like it. I quite like. It makes me laugh. Actually, the most famous celebrity couple splitting up. Maybe she's making way for some more refugee orphans. Well, she said she always wants another one. She said she wanted seven. She's got six, and she said she wants uh, she wants seven. I don't think they'll be having. One. I mean, how's she going to cope? How's she going to manage a career? Does she do anything, or is she just an ambassador for something? I don't really know. I don't really know. Britain's going to crack down on the illegal ivory trade. Riveting. How exciting. I didn't know there was an ivory trade here. I thought nobody was buying ivory. You can't buy it, can you, anywhere? Do you remember, who was it who said, was it Prince William, you know, I'm going to save ivory? And I thought, you go to Granny's house, and you take away all the ivory she's been given over the years, and you see how far you get The answer is not very far at all.
0: You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
1: Morning, everybody. 13 minutes to 7. Whether you're a landlord, a tenant or a homeowner, we have a team of experts to answer your questions every Thursday night from 9 on LBC's Property Hour. And right now, you could win an Apple iPhone 6S, an Apple Watch Sport and a Monster Portable battery pack thanks to Direct Line Landlord Insurance. Find out more about the de facto five star rated insurance by searching online for Direct Line Landlord. For your chance to win and to download the Property Hour podcast, go to lbc.co.uk. Some nice prizes there the Apple iPhone 6S, an Apple Watch Sport, and a monster portable battery pack. So it's lbc.co.uk. And as I pointed out at the beginning of the programme, we've revamped the website. It's got all sorts of things. There's loads of uh, videos of mine, not to blow my own trumpet, but a lot of celebrities uh, talking to me. You can see those on there. There's uh, there's all sorts of things. So uh, go and check it out. lbc.co.uk. Uh, listening in Malta, says Steve. I like the idea, actually. Uh, some very unkind people saying, Victoria Beckham feeling hotter. I think that's called the menopause. Oh dear. That's not nice, is it? Goodness sake. I mean, she's done her best. Well, she's not really. <laughs> but she's trying. She's trying. Uh, another one here. Uh, Thanks for the tip on Santander. Scotland for me as well. Well, they did that last time round. That was what they said. They uh, they put out in the press that if you wanted to move your account, when it was when it was going to be taken over by Santander, Royal Bank of Scotland said, if you want to move your account, go into the branch, you fill in a form, and they will then transfer your accounts up to Scotland. So... That's what I did. I've got an account running in Scotland at the moment and I'll just transfer the others up there if it gets to that. I don't like that. I just, I'm a bit, I don't know, I'm a bit traditional, as I pointed out at the beginning of the programme. Uh, The good news is, and I've left it uh, until the end of the programme, the boozed up uh, mum, Kelly Martin, this is a disgusting piece of work, really. Uh, She relieved herself in front of horrified members of the public, including children, by urinating on a war memorial. Not once, but twice. Uh, She was arrested. Uh, The officer said he was disgusted and shocked to his core that somebody could be so offensive. Kelly Martin comes from Greys in Essex and she was up to her tricks again in June on the eve of the 100th anniversary of the Somme. Basildon Crown Court heard that the mother of five, there's a big surprise, was found guilty of outraging public decency and jailed her for seven months. She was also convicted of assaulting a paramedic. She threw a vodka bottle and muttered as she was sentenced. I think perhaps... uh, See, if I'd been the judge, I'm afraid, uh, uh, alcoholic Kelly Martin, I'd have jailed you for five years. Seriously, I wouldn't have wasted time with people like you. People like you just don't even deserve to be in the same world as the rest of us. Uh, The Daily Mirror, front page, Brangelina Love Split. Who cares, for God's sake? Uh, I've left Brad for the health of my family. You can just see how this one's going to pan out, can't you? You know, he was doing this, he was doing that. It'll never be anybody else's fault, apart from poor old Brad Pitt. And so uh, there are rumours that he's having an affair. She, of course, is little Miss Perfect, and it's marvellous. All the kids go through. It's like the Von Trapp family, on the move. And uh, I'm sure it's absolutely wonderful. And they talk about the kids. The last picture together was taken, I think, in July. And uh, she she never seems to look at him, though, does she? I always thought he sort of looks at her. And it was great. I think she's had three divorces. He's had two. So um, she's hired a detective. We're told. I don't know how much of it is true. I'm really not too sure, um, and care precious little. Even though I have to mention it because it's uh, it's on the front pages of every single paper. Whereas I thought that it was another day, another black man shot dead by U.S. police. We saw it. I've seen the footage. I think he was tasered. He's a pastor. Well, he was a pastor. And he gets shot by this woman for nothing. He's got his hands up. He's going back to his car. They obviously thought that there was something the matter because this woman opens fire. You hear gunshots and um, and he falls to the ground. I can't quite work out where this one's coming from. He wasn't carrying any weapon. There was nothing at all. There was no reason to uh, to shoot him. So now there will be a huge investigation in America on this. If you want to build up your investments according to the Daily Mail buy Lego apparently. Lego is going to go up in, uh, in price. It's amazing actually, isn't it? Uh, there's one here. Um, heirloom handbags. I don't know how many handbags you ladies have got. But if you've got one here uh, called I, th- I don't know how you pronounce it so you'll have to forgive me actually. Is it Hermes Kelly handbag? How much do you think it actually sold for? I'm not actually sure. Is this right? It actually sold for twenty-one thousand four hundred and sixty-five dollars and fifty-two pence in September. I thought originally it said it said um, twenty-one million. I thought nobody spent twenty-one million on a handbag. Uh, the retail price is around nine thousand, but I think they're like one of these handbag companies that it's not for the likes of you and me. Well, certainly not for the likes of me, because you have to be, obviously, the right calibre of celebrity to buy some of these these star handbags. You can go in there and the assistants look at you with pity in their eyes. There's no chance that anybody in the real world, and if any of you listening are able to buy one of these super-duper deluxe, very, very expensive handbags, good luck to you. Uh, Toy figurines going well, going well here. Star Wars Vintage Doubles, Star Wars Millennium Falcon. Uh, There's one here. Uh, It was originally 342 quid. It's now going, I think, on uh, eBay for £5,500. Guitars, you know, you're looking at quite a bit of money for guitars. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, first edition, recently sold for over £1,000. Want to see first edition books, go down in London just over the way. Cecil Court, or Cecil Court, over the road from here. And there's bookshops down there with first editions signed. Which go for... I mean, seriously, I went in there and I asked about a Paddington Bear book. I told you. I went in there. The woman didn't even bother looking up at me. And she was a scruffy little devil. And uh, when I said, oh, sorry, how much is the Paddington book in the window? £600. that was it. She didn't even bother with me. I felt like saying, I've just bought the shop. I'm your landlord. Get out. But I didn't. Uh, The Amazing Fantasy Edition, which was the first appearance of Spider-Man, £8,500. This is comics. Comics go well, but uh, they reckon Lego or video games. Video games, early Pokemon cards, uh, a set of just three first edition cards sold for six hundred and twenty-two quid. You see, not so daft as uh, as people think you are if you manage to to buy these things and uh, and save them. Because what you've got to do when something comes out, I know somebody who collected. All the McDonald's free toys that used to come with with their sort of Happy Meals and things like that. They don't seem to have done them recently. And so people were buying those left, right and centre and hanging on to them, literally just packing them up, putting them in the loft. Completely forgetting about them, I think. Uh, apparently, I saw Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt with the kids in the Pottery Cafe in East Twickenham. They were living in Petersham whilst filming. I know. Uh, perhaps it was on the... Um, I think it was uh, probably on, on the rebound, that one there. It's obviously been going on for ages. It's really been going on and it's, it's really, it's a bit of a shame, but as I say, it's their business. It's, it's really nothing, nothing to do with us. It's just that the paper's going to be leaping on it and every ageing show business journalist in America is going to be going, I can talk about them, I can talk about them as if they know about these things, but they don't really. Uh, the fatal flaws, according to the I, on their front page in the fight against ISIS, the West. In Syria, repeating the mistakes of Iraq, warning the Defence Committee. UK has no plan to follow up the airstrikes. They had all that um, aid that was going over there blown up and people working on the aid convoys were were destroyed as well. Just absolutely terrible, so nothing goes... Nothing gets through and now they've halted the aid, so people will will starve. Guardian, oh, guess what on the front page? It's uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie splitting. Like it's, you know, like you couldn't even look at their past life and go... I think, really, it's uh, it's a case of it won't survive much longer. The Tony Blair story is very interesting. He sort of did a, an open thing to the people from uh, TBA, Tony Blair Associates. It's a very, very rich company. Uh, he's got uh, staff at uh, Grosvenor Square office in London. And uh, he's saying he's actually going to uh, bail out of it. But he's transferring all the money. It's going to be gifted. That, to me, sounds like an interest for the tax man. But he says, I want to concentrate the vast bulk of my time to the not-for-profit work. Yeah, right. It sounds so good, doesn't it? But uh, anyway, he said the uh, substantial reserves that Tony Blair Associates has accumulated would be gifted to the not-for-profit work. Oh, That's lovely, isn't it, really? He apparently employs about 200 people. Uh, Windrush Ventures works with governments. And uh, reported a turnover of nearly £20 million in 2015, with a profit of £3.5 million. It just goes on. I wonder if he's going to make a comeback to politics. Oh, God, that'll be interesting. If you're waiting for cataract removal, according to the front page of The Guardian, you can wait as long as 467 days. For ca- you can have it done privately, in which case you can probably be seen within about a couple of weeks. But if you're waiting for the uh, NHS, people in Enfield face the longest wait... Uh, it's 222 days in Haywood in in Rochdale, in Greater Manchester. And then uh, average weights, we need to go to Havering, it's 176 days. It's easy to go and get it done privately, if it really is affecting you. If it really is affecting you. I mean, it's, it's a fairly simple thing to do. It's, it's not It's not difficult, it's just that the NHS undertake more cataract removals Per year than any other surgical procedure. In 2015, 2016, 395,000. Catar- I mean, I need uh, mine doing. No chance. I'm going to wait four hundred and six seven days. I should probably do it privately if it gets to that uh, that stage. Sadly, that's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I will be back with you tomorrow. Check out the LBC uh, website, lbc.co.uk. It's all brand new, and I've got videos up there. You can, you can sing and dance with it and enter competitions and do all sorts of exciting things. And it also means that you can download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet, which means you don't miss a moment. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show. Leading Britain's conversation at 10 with his uh, magical programme. It's James O'Brien. But uh, coming up right now, it's
0: Nick Ferrari at breakfast. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4 a.m. Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5 a.m.